This is Loika Darkroom. This is where we share stories and celebrate the success of photographers in the Web3 space. I'm your host, Pam Voth. Let's go into the darkroom and see what develops. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Sloika Darkroom. We are having a major drop party today. We're going to be visiting with artists from the Concurrence Collective and hearing about their latest drop called Reflections. Um, there's 30 artists in this group, and this is the very first collective that ever um, released anything on Sloika. And so um, we're going to hear from the artist. Um, this is their second drop together, So, um, and there's some new things that happened this time around. So we're going to hear about what that was all about. And um, there's 30 pieces and 30 artists. So I, I would like to hear, um, you know, some stories about how all these photos were taken. These are some of the best landscape photographers in the NFT photography space. And uh, they've come together to really put together a killer collection. Um, the, the amount of uh, the miles that took to get all these photos, I just can't even imagine. <laughs> but um, I think there was also a lot of hiking involved. There's probably a lot of... Uh, Waking up really early, um, staying up late, possibly in some cases, but um, we're going to hear from them themselves. Uh, my name is Pam Both. I'm the host, and um, as our co-host today, I've got Jonathan Conlin. Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm from the team at Concurrence, and um, it's been a long kind of journey since our first collection, um, and we kind of um, we knew that we wanted to keep going and do more um, series. And how we got to the reflections kind of topic and the theme was we actually took a vote as a group um, across a range of different genres and, and kind of themes. Um, and reflections came out on top. I think that, um, you know, when you think of a reflection, how to capture a reflection, typically you need like a calm scene. Um, and that typically evokes, um, you know, serenity, tranquility, those kind of emotions. So I think that a lot of people resonated with that theme. Um, and yeah, to see some of the, the work coming in kind of like blew our minds. And then one of the new things that we added for this drop was we felt like with our first collection, um, we wanted to involve the community a little bit more. Um, so we actually opened up um, an open call. So the community could submit work um, within the theme and then we would have um, a, a curation board, which was kind of six of the artists within the collective. Um, and yeah, we were able to add more artists to the collective. Um, we went from 24 from the first drop to 30 uh, in the second one as a result of that process. And, and yeah, here we are with the, with the new drop. So that's kind of the background on where the theme came from. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested in hearing from some of the artists about their individual shots, what went into making them, um, the story behind them, um, and yeah, getting a little bit more into it. So I see some more people from our family in the room now. So who wants to come up? Yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> um, so I did want to ask you a little bit about the, um, the open curation process, because I thought that was so cool. Um, you know, after the, the very first drop that Concurrence Collective did, um, Frozen Planet, you know, that was such a hit. All the pieces sold out. And I know there was a big, um, a, a, a big celebration, but then a big like, wait, what's next? And um, so we're really happy to have you back um, with, with this collection. Um, how did you go about 
opening it up? Like, was it just done on Twitter where you put an open call or how did, how did you, because uh, I think you heard, I, I read somewhere you had a hundred um, submissions from the, from the public. Yeah, correct. So we did it all on Twitter. Um, we literally put out some tweets. It got shared quite widely and we, we had to kind of put a deadline on the, on the submission form. Um, I think it took less than or maybe just over 24 hours to get um, over 100 submissions and then we kind of closed the form and then we took all of the submissions away like I said we formed a curation group with um, a number of people from within our existing collective um, and we essentially put together a scoring system um, and effectively ranked people based on the cumulative scores across the curation board and that was the the kind of process that we went through um and yeah as a result of that we had a number of kind of standout pieces that came through um daniel greenwood's piece kind of was the highest scoring one um which is a composite piece made up of elements of different um photographs he's took plus um a couple of creative elements and aaron's piece is also um a, a composite piece and I think Kai's piece is a composite piece so I think this collection is the first one where we've included composite work uh, in, in there as well which is a new, another new thing for us that's pretty exciting um, and and uh, we've seen we've seen the composite work um, really um, sort of showing up a little bit more like even with AI com composited with like actual photography and I, I think the results are just so beautiful um, and I love it when, um, when you're, you're sort of like taken away by the magic of the shot and your mind kind of goes, but is it, <laughs> is it real? And then the artist will of course reveal, you know, like if it's a composite or not, I, I think that that's a, a key, um, aspect of it. Um, I've always, you know, I'm a wildlife photographer, so, um, if, if anyone, um, is out there, you know, show, sharing a wildlife photo and, um, if it's a captive animal and they, and they say that it's a captive animal, I always think that that like just adds to the integrity of the piece and, you know, um, the way the way the art is perceived, um, you know, like let's really reveal like the materials used, right? I mean, sometimes you'll be in a museum and you're like, this is an oil painting or like mixed media or something like that. So I love it when artists include that about their work as well. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say. <laughs> I was just going to say the one thing. Like when it when it comes to landscape stuff, um, you know, there is kind of. I think we have to distinguish between what I would call on on scene com compositing, which is like maybe focus stacking, where you actually take maybe three or four different pieces of the same scene, but actually f like stack them together. I think that's slightly different than um, pulling in different elements from other places, different scenes and stuff. So. Um, I think like even maybe there could have been some focus stacking the first one. I'm not sure, but I just wanted to kind of clarify that because some people are thinking, well, hang on a second, there could be composites um, through that method. Then yeah, that's kind of different. But um, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that one. Yeah, there's so many different creative techniques that can be used, um, and even you know like uh, the long exposures and um, slow shutter speeds and things like that. Um, you know, we all we all have like this bag of tricks to make things look even more beautiful and more artful um, into our own style. I wanted to say good morning and hello to Sam, who's also joined us as a co-host. How are you doing today? Hey, Pam. Hey, Jonathan. How are you guys doing? I'm I'm I'm doing great. I've just been uh, racing back from work, so. Apologies for being a little bit late. I was stuck on the train and then had to cycle back, but just about made it. Um, 
yeah, I'm having having a good day. I'm stoked to be here and to talk about the collective and and this awesome collection that we've put together. That's awesome. So, so what was your role, uh, Sam, in in this whole uh, collective? Because I know we you were part of the last one, and um, I remember working with you and Jonathan uh, quite quite um, individually, you know, throughout the whole process. But um, how would you describe your role this time around? Yeah, for sure. So I would say in this particular drop, I've had a bit less of a role. I was really crazy, crazy busy over the summer um, with like my day job and also I got married and stuff. So, um, but in general, so I don't know if Jonathan explained earlier to those that don't know. So I'm one of the founders of the original concurrence group, I would say. And the, f- the first um, thing we did as part of that group was just an online gallery and on cyber. Um, it was around the theme of minimalism. And I guess I was part of, of that, that setup. Um, and in terms of this collection, I mean, we've definitely been working behind the scenes all together to discuss a lot of the ideas behind this collection as well. Um, and Jonathan's obviously played a huge part again in like bringing it all together, doing a lot of this administration stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we've kind of worked again as a team on this behind the scenes and also was obviously part of the curation process. So yeah, we've been all doing little bits and pieces here and there, but, uh, so it's definitely a team effort, but, uh, yeah. That's really cool. Um, and with a, with a team growing to 30 people now, (laughs) Um, how did you guys stay organized? Did you were you using Discord or just uh, Twitter DMs? What was what was your tool of choice? It was actually all Twitter at the moment. So we have one big group for for the whole collective where we're all sharing ideas and and tweets and so on, and then we have a separate one just for the sort of I, I guess organizing. We we call ourselves the concurrent staff. Uh, it's like the the four of us, um, and that's where we are doing all of the administration discussions. So, but yeah, all on Twitter at the moment. But we have discussed Discord, to be fair. So it could be a logical next step to take it to Discord, maybe invite some of the collectors and so on. Could be really nice. Um, but yeah, we might need to ask one of the collective uh, members to help us out on that because I, I personally don't have any experience setting up a Discord server. <laughs> I bet you'll find some some uh, helpful people if you start asking. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to set one up. Um, we, we definitely use them, but... Um, it's i think i think there's a a skill to it knowing which knowing what you're going to be doing with it um well that's really cool um we have a few other speakers on stage that um i know we're part of the collective i just want to throw it out there um this is a drop party so we want to hear from a lot of folks um if you have a piece that was part of this collective and a part of this drop we'd love to have you come up to the stage and talk to us about your piece um and also um since we um we have been having uh, Soika family drop parties on Wednesdays as well. Um, there will be, uh, after we talk with the concurrence artists for a bit, um, we'll open it up and then any Soika artists um, who'd like to talk to us about their pieces and their work that's on Soika or that's coming soon to Soika, we would love to hear from you guys as well. Um, but of course, if you have questions about the pieces, um, that's also fair game, right? <laughs> or questions for the collective. Um, I, I wanted to um, to ask you about um, just for, for um, I guess, to kind of set the stage for what collectives are all about. Of course, we, we shared an article recently um, that Ev wrote about um, about why Slicka is even, um, you know, set, we, we set ourselves up to uh, support collectives. And collectives can be, you know, as small as just two people coming together. I mean, and you guys, like, took it on and went, like, up to 30. Um, we've seen other ones, you know, in the range of, like, 12 to 15 people. Um, there's some that are, like, only six or eight people. Um, but it's a, um, 
I guess in, in our mind, we see it as a way to kind of help artists um, find a new tool to, to toward success um, where um, if you can, you know, not everyone is good at everything. I mean, if you, like you said, the, the concurrent staff, you, you guys are like the organizers, maybe someone's good at the marketing, maybe someone's good at reaching out to collectors, maybe someone's good at like writing the text or different things like that. So you can kind of share the work and, and share the, um, share the burden of, of putting a, a whole collection together. But then when it comes down to the marketing of it and everything, um, you know, all those efforts go into supporting everyone. Um, and one way we've recommended to do, and I think you guys use this tool as well, um, there's a, a free tool out there called Zero X Split, and um, it basically will set up a contract where uh, when a purchase comes in, um, it divides up that um that purchase amount to as many wallets as you have in there to whatever percentages you guys just decide. Um, and we've seen it in the past where, um, you know, the, the splits are completely hundred percent, even across the board. We've seen other ones where, you know, maybe someone is taking a little less cause maybe they weren't a photographer in it. They were just the writer or different things like that. So, um, it's a really cool tool. And, um, I think it's pretty fairly easy to use, but I was going to ask you guys, did, um, I know, I think you guys used it this time around, but did you find it to be easy or do you have any, um, comments to make on, on that tool in particular? Is that the, um, Ox splits? Yeah. Yeah. The zero X split. It's, it's a third party app. Uh, it's not as like a product at all, but it's just one that, that we've been recommending to use. So did, did you guys find it easy to use? Yeah, totally. I, I um, the, the interface is very easy to use. Where the difficulty kind of comes in is the stress of using it because what you're doing is you're copying and pasting different um, wallet addresses in. And if you fuck that up, then there's no refunds, right? So you have to double check, triple check, um, quadruple check. Because there's a bunch of people that are going to be on the end of it in like however many weeks time they're going to want to kind of cash out and if you've done something wrong it's like oh shit so yeah it was very easy to use but it's kind of stressful so just bear that in mind that's my advice that's good advice that's good advice for sure um well should we start uh i know we've got michael up here we've got uh hagden up here um, should we start passing the mic around and hearing about the individual pieces? Of course, the um, the drop is available by Gotcha, so um, it's a it's a random drop um, where uh, when a collector decides to purchase something, um, it's a uh, the the system spits out a random piece to the wallet. So um, since they're all so beautiful, uh, you really can't lose <laughs> by uh, making a choice to collect from this one. Um, but Sam, would you like to tell us about the piece you have in here? For sure. I mean, maybe just before we start, I, I just, just just add on this gacha point because I think it's quite an interesting mechanic, actually. And just to give a little bit of my, my thoughts on that just before we go into the pieces, if that's okay. Um, because I think the real benefit of this, especially with regards to collectors, if, if anyone's not aware, is that obviously we have um, artists of kind of varying um size and like establishment level of establishment in the in the scene and i think you know we have some big names we have some slightly smaller names and the nice thing about the gacha is that you can really end up getting a pretty high valued piece for from a very well-known artist for quite a low price and at the same time it's it's benefiting the smaller um, members artists in the collection as well who maybe ne wouldn't necessarily have that that chance to be collected 
Um, so it's really, I think, in, in the true spirit of a, of a collective to do it like this. I think I've, we've heard different opinions from collectors in the past on Gacha, how they some are, are kind of in favor of it, some are, are less in favor of it. But I think for a collective like this, it's really, really, really good. Um, just to give my two cents on that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. And and I like I like what was said earlier too about like the idea of reflections. Um, you know, you do have to have quite the calm, peaceful scene in order to get uh, to have a reflection happen. At least one that's like glassy, mirrored, um, perfect <laughs> like that. Um, and if the if the reflection obviously is happening in water, um, you know, the, the more smooth, calm. Uh, peaceful times uh, are are needed, but um, I, I really like that sentiment too because it, you know all these pieces. I'm just scrolling back and forth through them on my big screen, and they all just bring such a uh, sense of peace and calm. You know, with um, with this, the the beauty of nature doubled. You know, like doubled, and it's just really really stunning. Um, so Sam, tell tell us about the piece that you have in the collection. For sure, yeah. So um, it's called I called it the gold standard, just because of the the kind of tones that that I've got in there. So it's a a shot from Switzerland, um, quite close to to Zurich, and and basically, um, well, I would say it's driving distance from from Zurich. It's uh, basically my grandparents are are Swiss, and that's where my my surname is from. So I have a lot of time and experience there. In Switzerland and grew up there a lot visiting the mountains and uh, my grandparents have a little house on the Lake of Zurich and uh, my dad is really into mountains as well so um, I've been to Switzerland many times but never really knew where this about this lake and I was always whenever I was in the flat at my grandparents house looking for places I could shoot nearby to the flat that, that I could reach maybe for sunrise because that's always uh, something you've got to factor in is that travel time to get there early enough uh, and my dad basically dropped me a, a, an email or a, a message saying, hey, check this lake out. It looks pretty good. And uh, yeah, I did, did a bunch of research then and was trying to figure out on, on Google Maps the the best uh, angle, like which which end of the lake I should be and ended up kind of picking out where I was going to go. Drove there for sunrise and uh, it was one of those spots where, yeah, I wasn't really expecting that much and it, it turned out to be really, really amazing actually. Um I don't know. I should probably pin up the shot if I can. I don't know. If... I I pinned up the gold standard oh, to the top. Uh, yeah. You, uh, yeah, yeah. You've got well, it already. You, uh, amazing. You helped me by putting it in <laughs> your feed, so I found it. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. So um, it's a really beautiful lake, and, and I got really lucky with the conditions. It was really, really calm that morning. It's actually shot from like a, a campsite at the front, and you don't really see much of the foreground in this particular shot. But it was perfectly calm. Um, had a really nice glow kind of on the side and yeah I just really like how it all came together um, I always like when there's some, some clouds in the sky as well for, for sunrise shots and especially with the reflection you get some some texture then in the water as well and yeah it was kind of as I said no expectations um, ended up with a ton of shots from that morning uh, put the drone up as well um, and yeah it's one of my favorite favorite like um sets of photos i guess you, obviously this is only one shot but of of the year actually it, it was a really really nice location um if anyone's interested in the, i can i can share the location i've actually forgotten the name of this particular lake right at this moment so that's a little embarrassing <laughs> but um if anyone's interested i can share that in in dms uh, 
the location if anyone wants to visit it. It's not that well known. It's pretty close to the Valensee um, in Switzerland. If anyone knows that one, it's just a little side valley up from there. And it's a really beautiful spot. Not not so well known. Um, I'd never really seen it on, on social media. So, <laughs> Well, we just put an end to that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a really beautiful, really beautiful uh, shot. I can imagine you were so excited when there was clouds um, showing up. Uh, you know, it it does add so much um, to the to have that little bit of texture in the in the water as well. It just makes it it's a really beautiful reflection shot. Um, so, how early did you have to get up for this one? I think this was shot, if I remember correctly, it was actually in the summertime, so it was pretty early. I think it, I think the drive was about an hour, and I guess sunrise would have been around 4 a.m., so it was probably close to, to 3 a.m., something like that, at a, at a guess. But it was, it was a couple of years ago now, so I don't remember exactly. But. Yeah, the pain of the early morning wears off when you see the results of what you get. I was out early this morning with my dogs walking, and um, we actually saw the sunrise come up this morning, too. Of course, I didn't have any uh, camera with me, just my phone, but it, it, was, it is a really beautiful thing to watch. Um, I noticed, and I don't know if this is true you guys spend a lot more time out in the in nature looking for the sunrise and sunset but i i don't know if i was imagining it but as the sun was warming up you know like it was coming up of course around here it came up over a building not on the horizon um but um as soon as it did like i just noticed the wind starting on the water like it's just like i don't know if the heat from the sun caused like a wind to start or it just like the ripples on the water just started like just tiny little ripples but have you, is that a phenomenon that i'm just imagining or is that true no you're you're not imagining it that's definitely a thing and it's uh i think it's a reason why sunrise is actually often ve- very much preferred uh, as that type, but but it's definitely a thing. Um, the t- air temperature changing, and that creates uh, wind, or a temperature difference creates wind, and and the, and that's when you get ripples. So basically, no, it's definitely a phenom- um, a, a real thing, and uh, yeah, it, you, it's it's something that you can also research depending on the location um, as well. The chances, the likelihood of that occurring, but it's it can it's pretty techy for sure. It, it's quite scientific, and I don't really know. For me, it's always just a, a gamble uh, whether that's going to happen. But it, it's definitely quite a common uh, phenomenon that that you get that. That's so cool. Well, I noticed it happening this morning, so <laughs> um, <laughs> not even realizing. I mean, I, I guess putting two and two together, I was like, I had reflections on my mind, but because I was going to talk with you guys, but. Um, yeah, it just, I, I think when you're just standing there by peaceful water, you know, you just, you start to um, just notice even more tiny details about it. So really cool. Thanks for sharing about that, um, about this piece. If anyone has questions about it, um, welcome to chime in. Um, let's, uh, Jonathan, do you want to go ahead and tell us about your piece? And then I'm going to put you guys to work bringing up all the other <laughs> speakers. I know we've got a few up, up here already, but Jonathan, talk to us about your piece here. Yep. Um, mine is called The Perfect Sunrise. And um, it was kind of a lucky one because it was taken um, at Loch Lomond in Scotland. And if anybody knows that area, it's basically, if you go into the highlands, it's when you're coming back. So it's like, it was like the final morning of our trip. 
Um, it's kind of like maybe 30 minutes north of Glasgow, which is a city. And when you kind of get to that area, you, you kind of like, oh, okay, that's the end of it. So it was it was the final morning. Um, we, um, yeah, we'd had four or five days in the Highlands and we were kind of coming back, driving back down to England. And um, we had one final um, stop that the night before. Um, and yeah, we got up really early that morning, um, got out to the, to the lock and it was just, I just had to kind of just sit there in awe um, how peaceful it was, how serene it was. Um, and you can see in the image, there's this kind of almost, um, it's not like proper fog, but there's like the start of um, this kind of um, condensation where cooler air moves across like the warmer kind of surface of the water and it creates this kind of small layer of fog which was just kind of added a little bit more drama to the shot um and then when the sun kind of came through um and created the sunburst um yeah it was just one of those moments where i was like wow just really happy with that shot and given the fact that it was like one of the final shots of the trip made it a little bit more special because i kind of um you know um finished the trip with a with a couple of good ones so yeah that's kind of um the story of my shot i think that's really cool it's it's so uh i'm trying to find it in your feed so i can share that particular image with 30 of them i know you guys are so good at sharing each other's shots i'm looking do you have it easy to share yeah let me let me uh, because i'm on the um concurrence page right now let me uh share it okay yeah Yeah, actually i might be able to pin it let me see if i can pin it okay yeah let's see if we can do that um I, I just love this shot. The the um, the sunbeams uh, coming out just at the right time, <laughs> just before the water starts getting ripply. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love I love that fog too. Um, that's that, I feel like when you get up that early um, and you see these really special phenomenon that um, you know the rest of the world is still sleeping. Uh, that I don't know. You just go through the rest of the day with a kind of like you know a special secret. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, yeah, with the rest of the world asleep, you're like, this is all kind of like this is all mine, or in that in, in that case, all ours, because there was four four of my friends with us. Um, so, but it, yeah, just moments like that, you just kind of have to appreciate, um, you know, this this stuff. Um, being out in in nature is just generally what we strive to do. Um, and capture it as best as we can and bring its beauty to the world that's that's kind of what we we try and do so um hopefully i've managed to do that with this one Mm, i'd say so it's really pretty um and i love the little bit of sun flare too i uh, the lens flare um i always like getting getting that in my shots too especially if it's it's like lands in a perfect spot you know um uh it, it do you use that in a lot of your shots or is it um just luck once in a while i try to um i've got a few shots where i can kind of almost sense where it is in the viewfinder and i try and kind of like position um to get it like lining up with stuff um i did i've got some this i went to cornwall um which is like the southwest coast of england um about a month ago six weeks ago and i still need to edit a bunch of shots that i took there but there was one evening um where i was at a place called kynance cove which is this really kind of beautiful um small um area and um 
I've got some shots that that definitely had that kind of impact. There was like sun was fading, beautiful evening, everything was quite calm. Um, and yeah, I've got I've still got to do some editing, but I think I may have some similar shots with the kind of like with the with the um, lens flare, perhaps even lining up with some of the rocks and, and stuff like that, and creating like an, an extra dimension within the frame. So that's yeah, definitely something that I try and do when I can. I think it makes it just adds this like really cool dreamy effect to it. I really like it. Um, well. I'll let you um, keep digging and try to find uh, that uh, tweet of that exact shot to share. I was I was like scrolling so fast through your feed looking for it, but I think you're so good at sharing everyone else's work too. <laughs> they might be pretty far down there. Yeah, um, I'm gonna share it. Um, I'll okay. share it in the the chat because I can't actually figure out how to pin it. Sorry. I don't really hang out in spaces, so I'm not like a pro at this. I have to apologize. Oh no, that's okay. Um, yeah, just but just for anyone who is trying to pin their work, um, if you go to the tweet in your feed and you go to the little share button, when you click on that, um, like as if you were going to share it, not retweet it, but just uh, like send it to somebody, um, then the next screen that you'll get at the very top of it, you'll have the name of this space, and you can just tap the name of this space, and it'll pin it to the jumbotron at the top. Um, yeah, I think so I've done it. You did it. All right. Oh, nice. Okay. okay so now we can. Every day's a school day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, but for the rest of you who are listening, um, if you want to make sure that there's a, a um, like your image is easy to find on a Twitter, on a tweet, uh, we'll be able to do the same thing and put yours at the top of the space while you're telling your story about it. Um, and uh, just, just a quick refresh since we've got a few new people in the room. Um, we're talking today with the Concurrence Collective, um, who's uh, here with their um, second drop. They're the very first collective um, that ever dropped any work with Sloika, and the first one was called Frozen Planet, um, and this one is called Reflections. It just um, went live on Monday, so um, we're here talking with the artists to hear about the work, hear how they cut, how they captured the work, and um, we also are going to open up the stage for any other Sloika photographers who have um, series on Sloika or are going to be releasing um, some work very soon and we'd love to meet you and say hi and hear about your work too so um, please come up if you're a concurrence artist and would like to talk about your piece um, I think we should pass the mic over to Hagden now and uh, hi Hagden it's great to meet you great to have you here hello hello uh, good to have good to see you all of you Sam I think it's Christine or uh, Pam behind Sloika this is Pam. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, both, <laughs> yeah. No, Kristen and I are both on the uh, the Twitter DMs. Um, so you'll see you'll see notes from both of us on the Twitter DMs, and also from Ev too. Um, and uh, but I'm usually the voice here behind this like a logo, and um, my my actual um, avatar of myself is listening uh in the listener audience down below so um i've got my account listening from the laptop so um but it's great to have you here i don't think we've had a chance to talk before um but i was i was noticing the piece that you have in the collective and i think it's absolutely stunning you want to talk to us about how you caught this how you caught this photo <laughs> uh yeah yeah thank you Pam. i saw you down the listeners panel that's the reason i was double checking if it's rather you <laughs> Uh, so to talk about my piece, so uh, I uh, this uh, I shot this image in uh, 2019. Uh, I created a uh, panel like five shots or six shots, six images, 
అరౌండ్ మార్నింగ్ నైన్ ఓ క్లాక్ ఇన్ వెస్ట్రోన్ మౌంటైన్ ఇన్ ఐస్లాండ్ సో వీ వెంట్ అవుట్ ఇన్ ద మార్నింగ్ అండ్ ఇట్ టూ టైమ్స్ వెళ్ళి ఐ థింక్ ఇట్ వాస్ మైనస్ ఫోర్ మైనస్ ఫైవ్ అండ్ ఇట్ వాస్ టూ విండి ఐ రిమంబర్ అండ్ మై హ్యాండ్స్ ఆర్ ఫ్రీజింగ్ లైక్ ఐ కుడ్ ఫీల్ ఈవెన్ ఆఫ్టర్ వెరింగ్ ఇన్ గ్లౌస్ ఐ కుడ్ ఫీల్ పెయిన్ ఇన్ మై ఫింగర్స్ బికాస్ ఆఫ్ ద చిల్లీ వెంట్ ఐ స్టిల్ రిమంబర్ దాట్ yeah so uh, i created this shot and i just made a pano and i left it i did not uh, do much about it because i kind of felt that something was missing in this pano image uh, which was a plain reflection of the uh, uh, plain reflection of the westerhorn mountain which uh, i mean the light was very pretty average even uh, i think there was not much of drama in the sky it was looking good but i think i didn't feel like it was worth showcasing uh yeah you already pinned the pinned the shot so and i just left it like that and uh, uh 2021 second wave of covid started uh i was just back from turkey and it was just had a we had a great time in turkey and just got back and and suddenly the new wave comes and everything stands still again and uh, we have nothing to do like uh, just finished a good vacation and you are just locked down in the house and Uh, absolutely nothing to do so i realized probably i'll go back to my old pictures and uh, uh, dig something and create something which uh, which can be showcased uh, so i started making composites uh, from uh, maybe by beginning of may i think one month passed in lockdown and i didn't do anything i was just getting frustrated i just learning to cook and doing nothing i was living alone in my house so it is getting frustrated and i realized probably i should this is the right time to study something new and uh, uh, put my brains into trying something which i have never actually which i always fear to try uh, like creating a composite day to night composite uh, which i have seen many of my friends doing and some great photographers who who used to inspire me they used to keep on posting uh, then i gave it a try and uh, my idea was to uh, uh resonate uh, create something like the westerhorn mountain floating in the space i uh, i could feel that uh, because uh, if i place the uh, milky way image directly upward uh, like for a um, vertically it may not look that great i felt so i uh, thought i have to try something which has not been seen or showcased before because uh, you see a lot of northern lights images with westerhorn and you can you can see uh, some images with uh, stars as well but you don't get to see the uh, milky way core in the in westerhorn uh, it doesn't happen so i thought i have to try this and uh, i think i spent like maybe one hour sitting and editing and finally i managed something and i i was super happy that it was like posted this on instagram and like there was like lot of welcome for all almost all my composite images though when i look back right now um, most of them look pretty more like a cut paste but maybe this was this was the one image which i still feel like okay this is something which i can i am always proud of showcasing and maybe someday i'll can print this as well because uh, i could feel okay this is something good which i want to remember 
Yeah, and that's the story about this. And uh, only thing, my takeaway from this is like uh, uh, when time stands still, go back to your old pictures, uh, dig up your hard drives, bring something. You might find something gems lying out there, and probably you might something find something interesting to learn and create something, maybe some something which the world has not seen. So that's my takeaway from this. and um, thank you so much for giving me time to talk and uh, this is my i think i don't utter, attend to twitter spaces anymore because being pretty busy with my real life so thank you so much for letting me talk and i'm super privileged to be in this con- concurrent collective even though the our market is not that favorable i think uh, we would see something newly coming some we will see some great bullish market in the upcoming days thank you so much Thank you so much for talking to us about your piece and um congratulations for being one of the new artists that were added to the to the concurrence collective. Um how did you feel when you got that note when you got that notification? Uh I think uh, I was not very active in the Twitter space and when suddenly sudden day I'm like I'm being added into this. I'm like uh, I I don't remember what happened. Which is this collective that I it took me a while because I just kept on applying whatever I could see or somebody shared with me. And I realized okay I sent I mean I could not recollect which image even I sent. Then I think uh, uh, you guys shared the image and Conlan messaged me. Then I okay this is the one and I like okay yeah something something really new happens or something it feels really really good and I could see the uh, names of the photographers fellow photographers like wow this is I'm super privileged to be here. Well, your work is absolutely stunning. I can see why it was uh, it really stood out from um, from the crowd <laughs> for sure. I love it how you created something that we've never seen before. um and i was i i i really appreciated you talking about how you rearranged the milky way to be kind of a different direction because i think if you had it be vertical yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same effect and this does definitely look like this mountain range is floating in in space it's absolutely really stunning um it's so it's so great to have you here and if you don't spend a lot of time in spaces i'm glad you came to ours <laughs> uh thank you uh, because i kind of feel that i'm not that the best speaker out here and i get tired after like maybe speaking for 45 50 minutes and my listening skills are a little not that great i can <laughs> so i prefer to be on working on real rather than talking that's i think i kind of feel that yeah i can understand well you're doing great and uh it's it's really lovely to to hear about your piece um when you when you shot the actual um milky way photo you said that was from the himalayas um wh- what was the what was the expedition that you were on to get this beautiful milky way shot uh so i uh, did a photography uh, astrophotography expedition in 2019 in the himalayas uh, the region called as piti valley so it's a little um, it's between ladakh and uh, uh, the mainland of himachal like it's a middle it is it is called the middle region the uh, translation so i went there and uh, i've been i've been part of uh, photography expeditions uh, to that place so 2019 i did it all by myself for the first time and uh, i we could get some clear skies even though like some of the days are like rainy and cloudy one day i could i could manage some really good beautiful skies and uh, <clears throat> i shot some milky way images out of that and i thought it's uh, probably these images are going to be my uh, 
can be used for creating something which uh, something something some compositing images. So I shot some images like that just to keep that. Wow, it's really stunning. The the air seems just so thin and crystal clear up there, doesn't it? I I found myself. Um, you said you were in the Spiti Valley. I was in the Niti Valley. Um, back in 2011, I, I got to hike in the Himalayas uh, then, but there was no chance of me ever taking pictures of stars <laughs> while I was there. Um, I don't think I had the right gear or, or anything to do that, but um, it's it's a really beautiful photo, and I'm glad you found a really good use for it. It's really awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Pam, and uh, thank you everyone uh, who are supporting this collecting, and uh, Cordland who is putting so much effort and Sam and everyone who started this collective. It's it's a privilege to be here. And I would love to hear other story as well. I uh, yesterday, yesterday for the first time I sat and read through everybody's picture. It was like, I could see like a lot of Canada, Canadian uh, Rockies, uh, many from the Europe, many from the Alps, some from Dolomites. So it's great to hear everyone's story. Yeah, so I would love to hear other story as well. Thank you. Awesome. Well, um, we have another speaker on stage who has a piece in this collection, and that's Michael Bogle. Hi, welcome to the stage. How are you today? <laughs> hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Really good. Awesome to hear. <laughs> Before I start with my piece, uh, Jonathan, we still need to hook up uh, regarding our meetup in London next week. We still need to figure out the date and time. So let me know when you've got some time. No problem, bro. I'll get back at you. <laughs> Before I forget it, um, let me just pin my piece. I just tweeted it out because I haven't done it. <laughs> That's okay. There you go. Got it on the Jumbotron. Awesome. Snowscape. Hell yes. Yeah. Um, Snowscape. It's, it's an image I took last December, if I can remember correctly. And most most guys from the Alps or from Germany know a place called Lake Hintersee in Bavaria. Probably probably Sam knows about it a lot. <laughs> and I I went there with a couple of friends of mine who now moved to New Zealand. And this was like probably our last trip together. And we drove there to capture the mountains. Normally in the background, above the trees, there's uh, a big mountain towering, but it was so foggy and cloudy and it was snowing all day long that you couldn't couldn't see the mountain. And it was just like a big, how do you call it? Snowstorm, snowstorm happening that you can, even in the image, you can see the snowflakes, snowflakes dribbling down. And instead of taking pictures of the mountain, we we basically made the best out of, out of it and took images of the reflection of the water with the fairy tale like snow covered trees in the background. And I submitted the photo because I really like the atmosphere and I really like the story behind it. Because after we we tried to drive home, it was the the road was covered in snow, and I couldn't get up the mountain again. So the lake is is placed a little bit in a valley, so you you have to drive down the road. And <laughs> when when I tried to get back up, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't drive up the the little mountain because it was the road was all covered in snow, and I had to reverse and go back down again with uh, other people behind me, and it was a big mess. And but in the end, all worked out fine, and it's a funny story to tell. And that's basically uh, <laughs> a little bit about the image and the story behind it. 
Boy, it's no fun to drive in snow, is it? <laughs> I, I've done so much of that. Um, and yeah, driving down backwards, uh, that's, a, that's a scary one. That's a scary one. Well, this shot is really, really beautiful. Like you said, you made the best of uh, what you had to work with. And um, I love this, this sort of like moodiness of this shot. Um, so it's so monochromatic, but I would say it's still a color photo, right? This isn't black and white, is right? It's, it's still a colored photo, yes. But but it was all monochromatic at the the moment because the basically the lake was the lake was almost like blackish. So I in the post production I hadn't to do much, and if I turn it into monochromatic, it wouldn't have to look any different or maybe slightly different, but not much. And I really liked the style of it and and the look. And I thought when I when I saw the picture in post production, I I immediately thought that that's maybe a place where Santa Claus lives or something. So I don't know. I really I really enjoyed it and had a good time. And as you said, it's it's it's pretty moody and pre pretty pretty. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but I mean I, I just like the overall look. And when you when you imagine that basically like, when you look at other pictures, if you Google Lake Hintersee in Germany or Bavaria, you see a big mountain towering above the the lake and the forest. And you if you if you've been there and you know when it's all cloudy and foggy and to to not be able to see the mountain in the background is like something I never experienced before there. So it's like it was kind of unique experience as well, and yeah, that that that's basically it about about the picture. Um, and you said that you were you were traveling with some friends who are moving to New Zealand. Is that right, or did you move to New Zealand? Because you said this was kind of the last time that you were going to be together with them. Oh, oh no, they moved to New Zealand. I, I'm still stuck here in Germany. <laughs> stuck. <laughs> Well, you're stuck in a very beautiful place, but yeah, it it it's a it's a it's a really cool shot, and uh, sounds like a really cool outing that you guys had uh, right before they moved away to New Zealand. I love the way you can see kind of some more trees behind the first rows of trees. You know, they that really faintly the detail of just tiny trees. You could see that this goes this goes back a ways, even though um, you're you know you first notice the like sort of front row of trees here, but. It's a really beautiful shot and a very unique shot of this lake, right? Uh, because like you said, most times the mountain would be out to play, but uh, it's hiding today. It was hiding, yes. And uh, thank you for, for letting me speak up here. And um, hopefully we get we get some few sales now with, with maybe some people coming in and scooping up some pieces or some, uh, some gadgets. So let's see how it goes. And I'd like to move on to some other people's now. That sounds good. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for sharing about your piece. And um, congratulations for being part of the, the collective. And um, let's uh, let's pass the mic around. Um, we have Naz up here. Hi, Naz. And then we'll go to Armand after that. How are you, how's it going, Naz? Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm Naz. This is my first time being here. And uh, compliments like uh, to what you guys are doing, and the collection is super duper beautiful. Well, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say thank you to Naz for the compliments. It's very kind of you to say thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm also here because like um, I have a collection dropping my Genesis on. Sloika is dropping on uh, Friday, and uh, I'll 
want to talk, but I don't. I don't want to take away um, what format you guys are saying first. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead. Um, we we since we're not um, we don't have a huge crowd up here. Uh, we have time to hear about your piece. Um, do you have any? Do you have a pin tweet about it? We can share so you can let me let me see what you got here. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I I have it here. Um, I'll go ahead and pin it to the top of the space. It's the city that raised me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Naz, I think this is the first time we've had a chance to speak. Um, but you want to tell us a little bit about yourself as a photographer? Like when you started taking photos? Yeah. Um, like my journey in photography, sometimes I don't even know when I could say I started, but, um, I got my first camera in 2020 during lockdown. That was when I, I could say I officially started, but before that, um, just being, like like let's say like 2010 being in high school and like getting my first uh camera phone and always taking pictures always always creating you know that's what i've always done you know all through my life and all of that you know even before um how do i say i i started this journey you know in in being a creative individual you know like um I, I would always like borrow because I, I couldn't afford a camera at the time so I'd always borrow like a camera or something and I'd look for something to go create you know it always it started from just me and my friends just wanting to do stuff you know that's how pretty much all of this started so um, tell us about the the work that you've got uh, coming very soon it's coming it looks like it's coming out tomorrow um if i'm if i'm right or maybe it's like our time zones might be a little off maybe it's friday for yeah, you, thursday yeah, for friday. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the city that raised me is uh it's pretty much a collection that spans like uh what's it called it's since 2015 like the first picture was taken in 2015 um and it's pretty much like a, a journey from my point of view like most of like all those places that you see and like the whole collection the collection is a is, a whole, is nine photos and those places that you see they are places that were reoccurring in my life and um places that when i look back like how this whole collection came together was because you know like i was just going through my hard drive and i'm looking at old photos and then certain things started like reoccurring to me in the sense that like the way um the photos spoke to me i feel it's like they were telling me stories they were reminding me stories of things that were happening in my life at the time and i could kind of see a representation of those things you know like um there's one um it's called nibaje that one is quite um pretty much um like if you grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, there's something they'll say, Eko Nibaje. But, like, it's like Lagos would never spoil. That's what it means. But, like, you, Nibaje is pretty much, it's spoiled. It's broken. So it's like um, having, like, having almost like, um, what's it called? Almost like a broken spine. Because I, I went through stuff like that. I was in a car accident, you know, and stuff like that. You know, so it, it do those... Um, pictures they really speak to me in like different ways and like one of my favorite favorite pieces from the collection too is called fix you 
you know, and and that's uh, it's it's it's a picture of a broken down car, and that was like my route. Um, I would always pass that car, that broken down car, when I would when I was jogging, cause like um, getting getting better, you know, I could finally run again and stuff, you know, and I'm trying to like, uh, how do I say, reduce my weight and all of that. I'm trying to fix myself, so to say. So it's just little little things like that that are really um. How I say they're really attached to my life in that way. It seems each of these photos has had such a personal meaning to it, uh, to yourself. Um, I really love how they go together, and knowing that there's a story behind it um, that is so personal to you. I like how you said it's like from your own point of view, your own perspective. Um, yeah. Tell tell us about uh, this guy is a monarch. Um, that's number seven in the series. Tell us about that mm. shot. Oh, okay. Um, so growing up, I I lived pretty much in two cities. Yeah, I grew up in Lagos most of my life in Lagos. But because my dad lived in Abuja, I would always go to Abuja for holiday. So Abuja was always like the getaway for me. You know, so. Um, I remember, like, why why I call it the sky is a monarch is because when that was like in um, twenty eighteen, yeah, twenty eighteen, um, I was going through a lot in you know in Lagos. Um, a lot of things were happening and it just wasn't going my way. And then I wouldn't want to get into too much detail because it's a it will take a bit of it. Um, it, will, it will take some time for me to really explain. But it's like I finally took this huge chance, yeah. And I, I always, um, I, I liken chasing your dreams to like trying to like fly into the sky. That's how I will put it. So it's like going high up in the sky only to be struck down, back to the ground. Is um, the sky is a monarch because like um, it doesn't really care, you know, like um, how do I say it doesn't really care how you are, or how how much you've accomplished or whatever. Sometimes things just go wrong, so the sky is a monarch. It's unfair. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. Wow. So oh, so then the last bit too. Um, that's me. Um, that picture was taken I think one of the first days because okay the reason why Abuja like I talked about Lagos and Abuja in the beginning is because Lagos was where I grew up and where I was working and chasing my dream but once things didn't really work out in Lagos I found myself in Abuja once again so that was one of the first pictures I took while I was in Abuja that's the estate I was staying in and that estate was also called the uh, Monarch Gardens Estate. So yeah. Hmm. Oh wow. Okay. So that that does that has even more meaning, doesn't it? <laughs> Where you've got these like layered meanings of these. Um, the the work is really beautiful, and I love the stories behind it. Um, it's really great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming up to share about your work. Thank you so much for giving me the chance, and thank you so much for everyone else who's supporting and also bringing out great work as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you, do you want to uh, share any more specifics about any like another piece in your series, or 
because um, we can well, we can keep passing the mic. But if you have another favorite to tell us about, I would love to hear a story about it. Okay, um, let me see. Oh yeah, okay. This this one is uh it's titled when the storm came uh i remember i took this i took this with like uh, my cell phone at the time um this picture is in Festac, Festac lagos um the point of view that is there is one whereby um is is from my sister's room so that balcony um is where we used to go play like when we were small and um um, what's it called? At the time, sisters sisters have uh, moved out of the house. I was the only one still there, you know, and um, we're about to, how do I say? Um, I remember this day in particular, I was supposed to go on a date with someone and then the rain started like coming and then we had to like cancel. And I remember just looking out of the window and then I was like, hmm, that's, that's nice. And I took the photo and then coming back out of the balcony went back down to meet my mom and uh, she gave me some really really bad news so um, that's why it was is pretty much called when the storm came so yeah wow I well I'm sorry about the bad news that that you got I'm sure that was a very um, upsetting time um, and I love the way that you you know have these images to kind of be these milestones and touch points throughout your journey and throughout your life um, that are so expressive. You know, they have they have so much um, background that goes into them. Um, thank you so much for, for telling us this story. Oh, thank you very much for having me once again. Absolutely. We hope to see you in more spaces, so please don't go away. <laughs> come back, come back often. No problem. Okay, great, thanks, Matt. Um, well, hey, Armand, it's good to see you here. Welcome. Hi, Pam. Hi, everyone. How are you? <laughs> We're doing good. How are you doing? Are you feeling okay? Uh, half fast, actually. You know, I, I thought uh, I thought I was good yesterday, <laughs> but uh, it came back today. So I'm still uh, I'm still quite sick, but uh, it's the it's the period. I think I'm not the only one. So, <laughs> so showing up for the fam. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I know everyone's happy to see you here, um, but take it easy so that you get better, a hundred percent better. Um, but I know you and I have talked recently <laughs> because we had a. Um, we had a, a very exciting space when we got to talk with Armand and Mickey about um, their awards that they won at the recent Siena Awards. And of course, Armand is Photographer of the Year from the Siena to Drone Awards of this of 2022. Um, so you're among yeah. This we have a champion in our midst. Uh, it was so great to talk with you about about that piece. And you've got a really beautiful piece in Reflections here too. I want to hear all about that. I'm going to go looking for it and pin it to the top. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I have it ready, I think. I okay. Can You're uh, so good. I need to remember how to do it. No, that's not the right button. Uh, no. I will I will make it. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> okay. It should be almost there. Uh, let me check. Yes, it's here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, the piece... Uh, 
uh, I called it uh, Sky Mirror. Um, it's um, it's a piece from Iceland too, actually. Um, uh, uh, not drawn this one, no, not like the other one we discussed in the other space. Uh, this one is shot from uh, from a plane, from a little plane. Uh, uh, during one of the flights uh, I've been doing uh, over Iceland, um, the the funny thing is actually uh, I was uh, thinking to to submit another piece to the to the collective. You know, uh, I had a piece in mind. I remember we we thought we we talked about it with uh, with Jonathan at some point in private. And um, and then the, um, you know the the curation process. I've been decided, and we had to submit three pieces. Um, so <laughs> I had to look in my archive because I don't have that much uh, picture of reflections. Actually, uh, it's surprising because I shoot nature. I should have most of that. That's something I need to, to take care of in the future. But uh, but yeah, I don't have that much. So I have one piece in mind. And then I've been looking to find two other pieces that, that I thought was good and interesting. And uh, yeah, there, there was this one and another one. So I, I sent the piece being pretty sure that the, the first piece I had in mind would be like selected, you know. Uh, but, but this one came out and uh, I was surprised. But at the same time, I was really happy because um, it, it's quite unusual uh, piece, I think. You know, uh, w- when we think reflection, we, we often think about uh, like a wide landscape with um, with, with a clear separation with the you know the the ground the land the sky and the reflection in a, in a lake something like that um, or or m- maybe even some close up but I, I don't know I th- I think it's a surprising piece uh, at least is the it's the the feeling I had when uh, when I when I saw the scene you know from the plane I was shooting. Uh, Mostly focused on uh, on the kind of picture you you know you can get from this kind of flights, uh, and then at, at one mo- moment uh, I saw that uh, that lake because it's a lake. It's not like a, a puddle or, or a little pond. It's not obvious on the picture, but it's quite a big lake. Um, but uh, from the plane and from the distance, uh, the the perception of the size can uh, can change quite quite a lot. So. So yeah, I, I saw that uh, that, that lake, and uh, and I thought it was a really yeah singular scene because the with, with the reflection in it, it was a bit like uh, you know the those uh, the, those doors you can have in the in the sci-fi series, you know the, the doors to a, to another universe, uh, and uh, that's the, the little movie I had in my mind when I saw when I saw that lake with the reflection, and I had to shoot it. So, so yeah. At first, we passed, and the pilot he wanted to take me to another place that is like famous for for photographer, you know, like a formation that was a, a bit further. And I, I told him, no, no, I want to come back to the lake. And we passed, we passed until I, I got something I was happy with. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much the story of this image. Um, something cool and uh, and unusual uh, that that. I've been talking to to my imagination, and that maybe hopefully can connect with uh, with someone else's imagination. And uh, yeah, that, that's the story of the piece uh, Sky Mirror. <laughs> wow, it, that's so cool! I'm glad that you made the pilot go back again and again until you got what you what you were seeing. Um, and and I appreciate also knowing how how big this lake is too, because um, it 
it is kind of, it does play with your mind a little bit. Cause like, how could that much water be so smooth and crystal clear, peaceful, you know, um, it's, it's a really absolutely beautiful, beautiful shot. Something that we don't see every day at all. Um, and, and I see like up in the corner, it, it looks like a, a rapids like river, um, just in the, in the very corner in the top left. Um, it, like, so that helps give scale too. Cause in my mind that looks like a, a kind of a raging river <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, this lake must be huge. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a river actually, because when you fly over the, the islands, um, you, you see there is a lot of, uh, you know, there is a lot of lakes and uh, all connected more or less by, uh, by rivers or by uh, <laughs> a huge amount of rivers, depend where you are. And, uh, and yeah, yes, it is a river, so it can give you an idea of the, of the size of it. So it, it's not as like, uh, you know, those very big mountain lake uh, you can find some, sometime, but, but it's, it's really big. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to, to give a, to give a right, uh, you know, a right size, because even from the place, from the plane, is very difficult. But um, but yeah, it's quite big. It's quite big, and when you look at the piece, and especially on a, on a, like a, a phone screen, it really looks like a puddle. You know, I, I I thought it was really funny the first time I've been putting that picture on my phone to look at it. You know, <laughs> but but it's not a puddle. <laughs> promise, promise. <laughs> Okay, so we're not dissing puddles though, because I've seen some beautiful shots in puddles, as as we know. We've got I don't know if Adam's in our room right now, but Adam loves taking beautiful shots in puddles. So no no dissing on the puddles, but yeah, you could without looking carefully and closely, you could be like, oh yeah, so what? You got sky? No, this is a huge sky and a huge lake. Um, so Armand, I am so fascinated by how you capture light in your photos, and I just I, I don't know what magic tricks you're using <laughs> or whether you just put yourself in the right places. But, wow, I really, really, I can always tell when I'm looking at one of your photos um, just by this, like, so beautiful treatment. It's, it's just a beautiful um, expression of light on the landscapes that you shoot. Um, do you have any, like, secrets about how you do that? Mm, uh, maybe not secrets, but uh, I, I think uh, th that's the, the secrets uh, that, that tells why I don't have that much uh, picture, you know, in my portfolio. Uh, I, I'm quite selective with the, with the, the one I keep. And, uh, and yeah, the, it, it's real light. So first, uh, that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the secrets. It, it's real light. Uh, maybe... Maybe one thing I, I do uh, that might not be that seeable uh, in the picture is I tend to to darken my picture um, locally. I don't mean the wall picture, uh, even if sometimes I do it. But uh, most of my uh, my po my process starts with uh, with darkening the um, the scene and uh, and often the light too. Um, and I think it's uh, it's one of the important steps uh, in uh, in my post prod uh, workflow uh, regarding the light for sure. So <laughs> it's not a big secret; it's quite simple. But uh, yeah, see if someone want to try, uh, it's a, it's a good first step to let's say uh, regulate um, the the light in your picture and uh, and yeah, bringing to something that that might uh, that might be sometimes more. Uh, more visual and um and also uh it helps um how um to 
to take care of the you know the edge of the picture often often this is one of my biggest problem with the light uh, it often don't react as I want uh, to to close the picture you know uh, from the edge of the picture I think it's always important to have a picture that is closed uh, and that's how I call that uh, and uh, yeah the darkening um, you know uh, not direct vignetting but uh, but, but playing with uh, with darkening locally, you know, as you would do with some vignette, but uh, but just you choose how you do it, where you do it, and uh, yeah, it can really help to to capture the the light uh, that you loved when you looked at the scene and uh, and get rid of the of the distraction uh, while keeping an authentic uh, photographic picture. That's really cool. So, yeah, so you're uh, you leave the light as it is, but then you just take areas down a little darker so that your eye obviously goes to where the light is. Um, that's that's pretty cool. Well, I, I just anytime I see a shot from from you, um, it's like it just it just has your your style. <laughs> it just is quite, quite uh, recognizable and very beautiful to look at. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I um, so how so this was a four hour flight it looks like um did you have a lot of other shots from from that flight uh, that turned out really good yes yes actually i have a, a pretty huge folder from from that uh, from that flight uh <laughs> it will take a long time before uh, uh i find uh which picture uh, i will i will keep or not but uh, but yes i think i've already edited a few from that specific flight and uh and yeah, there there is, <laughs> yeah, the the the island Iceland is just amazing, and uh, that flight in particular was really really cool and really surprising because it was supposed to happen at an other moment of the day. Uh, I wanted to do it at a golden hour, you know, because that's the kind of moment we are all looking after as as landscape nature photographer. So that was the plan, but um, but it was September. The the weather forecast is very tricky in Iceland. At that moment, and uh, and yeah, we had to move uh, to move the the flight uh, several times. Uh, it was the pilot deciding, and uh, he he knew the area. He's also a photographer, so I was totally trustful on uh, on his judgment about that. And uh, yeah, when he proposed that uh, that time window, I was a bit disappointed at first, you know, because uh, no golden light, just the the very end of the. Uh, of that kind of night, nice light we are looking for. Um, but uh, as a result, um, I came uh, I came back with some really cool picture that I wasn't um, uh, that I hadn't envisioned, you know, because I wasn't uh, like looking for this kind of light that might be a bit stronger that when I than what I am searching usually. But uh, yeah, so everything went good and uh, <laughs> the the chance. Uh, does sing well. Uh, I don't know how to translate that. That's French quote. Uh, like um, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <went> well. <laughs> well, maybe we should just use the French word that <laughs> it's like that. That uh, yeah, everything went well. Um, well, I I really I really love the shot and um, always always really appreciate talking with you about about your work. Um, and you know you when when you were in the plane. Um, did they take a door off or something or window off? I know I've been in helicopters before to shoot, but like how are you shooting out of the plane? Is there a camera mounted to the bottom of the plane or are you, are you looking out the window, holding on and having it strapped to your hand so you don't drop it? 
but it, it depends on the planes. Uh, there is some plane you can uh, fully open the door, but uh, in this one, it was just uh, the window that you can open. So, uh, so basically, I was alone with the pilot, so I was on the front seat just next to it, not just next to him. And uh, I could just, you know, open and close the window when I needed to shoot. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's surprising uh, when you when you go in a plane like that for the first time and you are shooting uh, outside. You tend to, you know, to pull the the full body of the camera outside of the plane, and uh, it's not always the best solution because there is a lot of, uh, you know, of relative wind, and uh, and it's so freaking cold. So so yeah, just uh, just find the right distance where uh, just uh, you your camera and your lens won't be fully outside of the plane. You just shoot through the open window. That's the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, but it's an amazing experience. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I know Jeanette and I've been flying also over Iceland, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's really something that's worth uh, doing. It's expensive, so that would be the the biggest uh, uh, barrier to to do it. But except that, it's pretty pretty easy, and um, and yeah, it's an amazing experience, bringing an amazing picture. And um, I wanted to say something. Yes. So the French quote, uh, quote in France, it's like uh, le, le hasard fait bien les choses. Uh, the chance does things well. You know, like uh, even if it's a coincidence, uh, there is a reason for it and uh, it will end well. Th that's the idea. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> We appreciate learning something new. Um, well, that's really cool. Thank you so much, Armand. Um, this is a this is a really beautiful shot, and um, I know. Uh, did you have any? Um, what was your role with the collective uh, this time around? I, I, I was I was kind of curious to see like who were the uh, curators this time around. If if you guys do share that, I don't know if it's something that you want to share with people who were the curators or not, but. Um, did you have a particular role this time, um, different than last time? <laughs> no, no. I think uh, amongst the, the the different collectives I've been part of, uh, the collective, the the concurrence one is the the one I've been the most uh, like. Uh, just an artist, no, nothing more. Uh, but but it's also a great ride to to do things that way, you know. And I think the team have been doing amazing work to make that possible, you know. So when uh, I, I think I haven't done much than uh, giving the picture, uh, sharing the tweets when it was the time, saying hi in the space when when uh, there was, and um, and yeah, and sharing a bit of good vibes sometimes uh, in the in the group. <laughs> That's important. So so yeah, no no no. Uh, I'm a, I'm a passenger. Yeah yeah, I'm a passenger. Well, I'm I'm sure everyone is happy to have you as a passenger. <laughs> Um, and if you guys feel free to speak up if you have any questions or raise your hand too, we could do that. Um, if you guys have any questions for Amon. Um, but yeah, I, I always love talking with you and uh, seeing your work. So thanks so much for joining us. Um, let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and talk with uh, Yuri right now. Uh, Yuri San, who um, has something new coming for Soika. And so let's go ahead and pass the mic to you. Hey, Yuri. Hi, Pam. Hi, Armand and all the concurrence group. 
So I actually didn't want to come up because I know it's the their drop. So I just took a look to the whole work and congratulations this drop and hope it will be successful. Uh, it's even quite a while I don't come up to speak to a space, so <laughs> I always find it quite hard. But anyway, uh, since today I released my first edition, um, it's even on the Sloika platform and it's the first work I released there. So yeah, it's probably a good moment to come up and talk a bit about it. Um, so let me see if I can pin it. Um, I pinned it to the top. It'll be just a second, oh. I think, to come okay. out. I yeah, pinned okay. your, your pin to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, Thank you. it's a, such a cool image. I don't know if it's there yet. So the yeah okay the picture is about the venice carnival since i i'm italian i don't live not so far from some venice from venice i started going there in the 2016 uh, for the carnival um thinking about taking like random photos of the carnival but after a year i came back and thinking why don't you start doing like a project or think about something um, so i started with some portraits of the mask which is the most direct thing you can think about and from that i started taking photos only in particular moments of the carnival like only during the night because I found, well, it, it's less crowd and that was a bonus. Uh, and then the light uh, during the night in Venice are just amazing. So um, I started with that. Then I came back the year later and I thought about something different again. So I went in the... Florian Coffee, it's one of the most famous coffee in a uh, shop in, uh, in the San Marco Square. And I started taking photos into it. And right now I'm still working on another project related to the carnival, which is about what's behind the scene of the, the carnival. So I would like to show uh, how the masks are made, how the costumes are um, actually made by the Venetian artisan. And so it's something I'm still working on. And I don't know actually when I'll, I'll get to finish it, but uh, yeah, it's something I would love to to share in uh, in the future well this is a really good shot to start with um, to do an addition of um and congratulations for your drop it looks like um there's already been one collected congratulations on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i thank you downs and town because they were the first collector so i i see they are not here but i wrote in i sent them uh, dm so yeah, <laughs> one was collected. There are still 23 more. 
Oh, wow. This color of blue is like my favorite color of blue. I, I, I, you don't see it very often, but it's like so intense. Um, it, this, I, and I really love the shot. Um, when you, when you, um, blow this up big on your computer, like the, the person who's behind this mask is really, really staring directly at you. Um, do people in the carnival, um, ever speak to you or is it like a quiet are, are the um the participants like always silent during this part well uh, first of all the the the hard part on taking this kind of portrait during the carnival is that on here it seems like it was just me and the mask uh, well, if you go there, there are like thousands of people. So around every mask and mm, people asking for uh, photos, uh, they are so, <laughs> I don't know how to say, but the masks are always, um, the, anyway, there are always people around the every mask in the plaza. So it's really hard to try to isolate the the mask or uh, the costume and even if you try to take a deta detail of it uh, it's always an artwork so on this one i had to lower i was like on on almost on the floor and try to take from down up because I wanted even to show the lights uh, pending from the the roof, and I love the I love the contrast in between the blues of the mask and the yellow of the lights. So that's what I thought when I saw the mask. Uh, about your question, yeah. Uh, Usually when you approach a mask in the plaza, you just ask if you can take the photos, but they are so used to, to it that they almost don't even pay attention if you, if you ask. But after that, I usually try to have a short conver conversation with them. Um, and they usually ask you if you can send them the photos or uh, if there is, I don't know, if they are coming the next year, if you can meet up to take some other kind of photos and something like that. <clears throat> well, I know that um, even if they didn't say anything, <laughs> like the way that this person's looking at you is just really intense and you really got a good shot here. Um, I bet it's I bet it's exciting to uh, be so close to Carnival that you can go year after year. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing what happens behind the scenes. Um, do you feel like that that's going to be um, shot like throughout the year with people creating the costumes or does it happen, um, you know, just right prior to to the event itself? Well, uh, I, I started with this project about uh, the artisan behind the mask and the costume like uh, a year ago. Um, it's like a long process because there are not many artisans and they are, let's say, quite jealous about their work. So it's always so hard to uh, contact them and explain what I want to do and being accepted to enter in their atelier for the photos itself. So I, 
haven't done many of them uh, or at least not how, how many i would like so i'm going back in uh, a few weeks to visit another one um hopefully i think in uh, one more year to be able to finish even this project and um, then maybe think of something different related to the carnival or uh, still in uh, in venice because i would like to really show not only the events that are known already worldwide but even what's really behind the scene and how much it takes to to prepare these events yeah they um i'm sure there's so much work that goes into it um i've always been curious to watch artists at work you know people who do make things with their hands and uh, whether it's the costumes or the props or anything like that. Um, it seems like such just really beautiful stagecraft going on. <laughs> um, I wonder yep. what, what these artisans, like, do they specialize in sort of the Venetian carnival, um, uh, like costumes and stuff? Or do they, do you feel like they also work in, in theater or movies or do they have other places yeah, they, outlets for they, their work yeah they, they well they mainly have like uh, an atelier or a shop in around venice uh, where they sell the masks and uh, the costumes related to the carnival but let's say the carnival or the costumes used there are like Mm, costume from the real uh, I, I do not say the uh, history of Venice I mean uh, they are not like a costume created in the moment they are they take inspiration from the past the medieval the renaissance of Venice and so they are all costumes that comes from those periods uh, so of course they are used even on film. I can think about uh, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, where mm, there is the scene of the actor into, I don't remember the palace, but anyway, a famous palace in, uh, in Venice, probably the casino. Uh, in Venice, uh, they are, they wear the costumes from the actually the carnival or made by the Venetian artisan. So yeah, they are used even the opera. So well, the main work I think it's about or related to the carnival because every year I see a lot of tourists uh, going there and I don't know if they actually buy the dress because it's quite expensive or they just rent it for the day or for a few days even because there are a few private fests or parties around the, the city and you only join them if you are of course dressed that way and you need a special invite to be able to enter in those parties so when you're when you're shooting the carnival do you dress up as well or do you just like dress like a photographer <laughs> no I'm, i i usually don't go there dress up or i mean i just bring my cameras and go there as a photographer the the most 
scene, uh, let's say costume there, it's about photographer because for every masker, uh, I think there are at least uh, 10 to 15 photographer all around. So no. Uh, during the Venice Carnival, I've never actually was thinking about it, but I've never dressed up in, uh, in any way. Just my regular clothes. But yes, sometimes I do for other kind of parties during the carnival um, in my city or uh, with some friends, just to joke around. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be a little hard to photograph wearing a mask like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and they will then end up uh, being the one photographed, so it will be <laughs> impossible to, to do the work. No kidding, man. When you're when when you show up and you want to take the photos, but then because you're the photographer, people want to you know take pictures of you. That that that's happened to me when I've traveled, um, and I was like, no, you guys, you guys act normal. <laughs> I want to get pictures of you, and they're like, no, you're in our midst. We want to get pictures of you. So you have to um, trade off, I think. But yeah, you're right. Um, you, that would be cross purposes, wouldn't it? Well, it's a it's a beautiful shot. <laughs> Thank you again. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for uh, thanks for sharing it on Sloika for sure. Um, it's it just went live this morning. I think you might want to check your email. Um, I saw an email come through that was kind of exciting news. So let us know if you want to. Oh, another another one. <laughs> yeah, I think another one is sold. I'll have um, to thank someone else then. <laughs> Armand has his hand up. Go ahead, Armand. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring the surprise. Uh, you, you just have 22 to go now. Uh, it's uh, there is still uh, some way, but uh, but you're still a bit further. <laughs> I, you, I, I really like it. Uh, do you, Do you mean that I need to thank you right now? Yeah, yeah. You need to thank me, uh, like uh, so, many times. <laughs> so thank you very much, Armand. I really appreciate. No, I'm happy. I'm happy to support you, and uh, I love the piece too. You know, I I really love the the picture that came with uh, some kind of challenge. You know, it can be a challenge uh, to plan, challenge to get there, challenge to enter the place when you are where you are gonna be able to to shoot the person, like it's the case here. So yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great to hear you explain it, and uh, yeah, it gave me the one to to grab one. So you did well, and I'm super happy. And I even know what I will do with that um, because uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but I will tell you that after. But uh, be sure it will be printed and uh, it will be offered to someone I really love. So yeah, <laughs> oh, great. Well, that's that's even better to to know about, and uh, I would like to. Yeah, to know where it will go, uh, we'll present with it. So thank you again. Yeah, we will catch up in the app. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. We always love it when there are sales that happen during drop parties. So that's great. Um, congratulations to both of you guys. Um, so thank you so much, Yuri, for sharing about this this piece. And uh, and um, it looks like you're off to a really great start. So. Um, we hope to see you back, and uh, it's it's just really great to know um, know what went into getting this shot. And I got to tell you, that color blue is oh my gosh, I love it. I don't know, do you call it indigo or is it? Uh, I know there's an artist because um, when I've talked to Italian photographers before, they've told me like um, 
in in Italy, there are special colors. Like you have, just you're so um, tuned into specific colors. Do you know the name of this color blue? Like, does it have a special name? In in, in- uh, actually, I. I, I don't know how the, they make it or what kind of pigments of color or color they use to to make it, but um, it's something I'll work on. And uh, when I'll go to meet the next artisan, I'll probably ask if they use something special for the for coloring or painting the mask and the costumes so yeah thanks for the uh for the question because uh yeah i it was something i was not thinking about when uh when i go there i actually just look at them working mostly because i don't want to uh i don't know interrupt their their work or their flow so I just ask once in a while what uh, it takes to do the how much it takes to do the the costumes, or uh, yeah, what kind of uh, if they take inspiration from something or to to make them. But I didn't think about the the colors or how the they are made. So next time I think I'll keep in mind and ask them. Okay, you report back. That's your homework. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if it's if it's like aquamarine or indigo or something. There's some like beautiful name for for that color blue. Um, but there, like, there was another um, person who told me about this color. It's called I think it's called sea green or something like that. Um, does that sound like a familiar name for a color that you have encountered in Italy? Sea green. Does yeah, uh, I could have it wrong. <laughs> no, uh, I think um, the the balls which uh, on the on the end of the mask it's like uh, actually a sea green. I, I mean, I I know better in Italian the names of the the colors because it's uh, the the the wool mask the darker part. It's like uh, blue marine. Should be something like that. Uh, and the, the the blue, but mm, the ones more tended to the to, to green, like you were saying, uh, yeah, should be related to the to the sea. So it's probably right what you what you were saying. Um, but of course, like I said, I'll keep in mind one more question to ask to the artisan because they surely know better than me how I actually am curious about the what kind of pigments or I don't know how, what they use to to to make this color. So I'll ask for the name and even what they use. That's awesome. Well, that's really cool. Um, and if you find out, just uh, let us know. <laughs> I'd be curious. Yeah, of I course. really, I really do love the the contrast of the golds and the blues that you found there. Um, that's just that's just so beautiful. Um, so congratulations on the drop, and uh, we'll we'll like be here supporting you all the way through. So thanks, Yuri. Um, I Thank see we've, we've got another speaker on stage who's part of the Concurrence Collective, but I wanted to check in with Sam and Jonathan 
see how you guys are doing. Um, and if, if we have more, um, even more photographers from concurrence that want to come up, um, the invitation's wide open. <laughs> Do you guys have anything you wanted to add in? I think we've got Chad lined up. I think we can, we've got a few more guys down below, but we, we're just trying to check if, if anyone wants to jump up still, but we can, we can keep you posted for sure. We, we should hear Chad. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say to Yuri and the other guys as well, that, that was a, it's an amazing piece you got there. So congrats on the sale from our man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, congrats on the drop and I hope it goes really well for you, man. It's a beautiful piece. Thanks so much for that. Um, so let's go to Chad. Hey, Chad, uh, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Um, this this drop is insane. Hey, like I, it's funny because like I know that we were talking about this months ago, and honestly, like we, I think we delayed or something, and like it kind of got out of my mind. And then I coming back around was just like looking through the drop, and it's it's it's wild the amount of talent that is in this included in this, and like. I mean, I see artists in there that have pieces that usually sell for five ETH that are that are part of the drop, and it's it, I don't know, it's it's pretty pretty sick. Um, so I want to just applaud um, Conlon and Sam for putting this all together because yeah, um, I'm stoked stoked to be a part of it. Well, super. Oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just going to say stoked to have you as part of a part of the crew, man. I think you were a new a new addition this time around, and. Uh... Yeah, we've always looked up to your your pieces, your work. So it's it's been great to to kind of onboard you onto this one. And yes, that you're here, and we'd love to hear more about about the piece that you've decided to submit. Sounds good. Happy to talk about it a little bit. Um, so yeah, my piece is called Mirrored Mountain. I think it just got shared up at the top there. Um, it's it's kind of a. a it's a photo from Central Oregon, which is where I'm from. I'm I'm just born and raised in Portland, Oregon, so like kind of grew up exploring the mountains of Central Oregon. And um, over that time, kind of got like I don't want to say like I went everywhere, but like I, I went I, I kind of explored the area pretty thoroughly, and like kind of got to a point where it was like pretty much anywhere that anybody ever you'd see on Instagram or see anywhere like I, I had shot that place, I'd been there, and it kind of started forcing me to like dive a little deeper into like finding some some more hidden gems of the state and the the origin of like this this photo in this location was um i one day decided like there's there's a mountain called south sister um in oregon it's a ten thousand foot mountain it's one of the three ten thousand foot mountains in the state um and in in my experience it was like everybody kind of took photos from this one place called sparks lake and that's like where everybody just kind of kind of captured stuff and i, I wanted to try to find something different and i was like i figured you know what, it's a big mountain, there's got to be some other places to, to find. And so I just actually sat on Google Maps for probably, um, <laughs> probably like four hours, and just like, found every single body of water around this mountain, and just like pressed each one, kind of like looked at Google images for them and like trying to figure out if there's trails to these places, if they're backcountry, if you just have to like, um, how you can get to them. And I eventually found this place. Um, it's called Husband Lake. And it's like in the middle of the wilderness area that is um, that has been absolutely devastated by wildfires. And we fig and I figured out that like there were a couple ways to access it, but you had to hike like 11 miles to get in there. Um, and and so kind of set together the plan, figured out that there was a way to do it where I didn't have to um, get get some like crazy permits or anything. And 
just one day kind of on a whim like grabbed a couple friends and we're like hey let's go check out this place um i don't know that it's a cool place but like the google images have what i'm looking for which is basically like i kind of look for like on, on google images if i'm seeing somebody posting photos of a place i look for bad photos of like beautiful places <laughs> so it's like if if i see like there, there is potential there but like nobody's ever actually like figured out how to capture it like that's kind of an a1 target to go to and so um i i'd seen that and i was like told my told my buddies i was like i have never seen anybody go to this place like i i think it's cool based on what i've seen but like we we could be going to nothing and we ended up like hiking out there and about I think eight miles, like I said, was just hiking through the most devastated burn forest. And it kind of was, I mean, it's really depressing, like especially having grown up in the, that area. Um, I kind of like grew up running through the forests and just like exploring, like it was much of my childhood. And then like those same places now are just like absolutely ravaged. Um, and so we were kind of looking, I don't know, our, our hopes were a little bit lowered um, after walking there. Cause I was like, well, maybe the pictures I saw on Google were like older and there'd been some more recent fires that had, had kind of burned through there. Um, and so we were kind of just accepting that and like being like, okay, well, I'm sure it's still going to be beautiful, even if it's just like a little bit different. Um, and we, ke- we kept hiking. And then at about like, again, it's 11 miles in there. And at about nine and a half miles, all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but it was just like there, the fire had stopped at this spot. And there was just like this perfect oasis. And we like some of the most lush forest I've, I've been in and it was it was crazy because it's like all around it is just completely burned and then you have this lake and kind of this meadow towards the mountain that's all just like the most lush beautiful green um and so yeah we we ended up getting there um and this this photo was was taken the the morning after so we kind of camped and um woke up for sunrise and unfortunately um some of the beauty of this shot is the like kind of pink and orange um, light that you see touching the top of the mountain Um, and unfortunately that is actually wildfire smoke Um, it was perfectly clear the day before and this morning we woke up and it was like kind of the start of this the smoke and what turned into being the worst fire season of the of of my lifetime um was that year this is 2020 um and it but this was kind of the first day and it was i mean it's kind of symbolic for the whole the whole journey of going in there um and so yeah that's kind of the the background of of how that that photo came to be i still don't know very many people that have gone to this place and it like i think it's probably one of the most beautiful spots in oregon um but it's kind of tricky to get to. And um, again, you have to hike through kind of a bit of a bit of miserable landscape to get there. So, um, yeah, that's so cool. Um, I I really love hearing the story about how you even discovered this place, too. I am totally all in on uh, on trying to shoot stuff that not everyone else shoots or um, and your strategy of like, well, let's find like bad pictures of good places. <laughs> um, that's really awesome. Um, I. Um, I did. I, I kind of went through a, uh, a similar image search when I was trying to figure out like where I was going to photograph tigers. Like I, I, I went and this was back in the days of like Flickr or something. But I was like, okay, who's taking the best shots of tigers? And like that's where I want to go. Um, and it turned it turned out to be a really good strategy because like the person who ran the lodge who got the best photos of tigers was actually a photographer who. He is himself like well known for taking pictures of tigers. So uh, I love this strategy of like, okay, I'm going to go in and try to find um, something really, really unique 
uh, that, that no one else is shooting. But kudos to you for, for hiking through all of that, uh, the burned out, um, the burned out landscapes. I know that is depressing to do. And it's also, it can be dangerous with the like standing dead trees. Um, you know, you want to be careful that, uh, that you don't get on the wrong side of one of those that's deciding they're going to fall right now. Um, but a question for you about this, this burn area. I know when I lived in Montana, we would always track where the fires were last year because the next, like this next spring, uh, that's where all the morels are going to be. Do you ever do any morel hunting or any of your buddies do any morel mushroom hunting? I haven't, but I love morels, so I might, I might need to start. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. Like, I think living in one of those areas, you you start to, it, it changes you a little bit. And like, like you said, like, it's pretty dangerous, especially like the year after with the, with trees falling this, this place. Um, and what's happened to a lot of central Oregon is that like a lot of the fires haven't got burned out, like in a natural manner, like usually it should be quick burn and then like gone. But a lot of the central Oregon fires like never got put out and so they kind of just burned everything to a complete crisp and so it, it the the natural recovery you'd like to see like is is a lot slower um and that's that's kind of been one of the saddest things it's like this area was like it was probably five years five years gone um and it was still still pretty rough um but wow. yeah i'll have to find yeah. somewhere else <laughs> if it's if it's been five years and it was still really rough that must have been like really really devastating yeah because usually usually what we would see is like the next year or maybe like two years down um down the road there'd be like um oh what's this stuff called a fireweed this uh like super tall pink flowers that they almost maybe are like in the flocks family or something but they're like uh, really tall sort of magenta colored flowers that would come in in amongst all the black trunks it's just it was so beautiful um, to see like the the recovery of fire burned areas but yeah this one sounds like it was a real doozy um, even though the the the pinkness in your shot comes from smoke it still was so beautiful isn't it it's just like that like magical like how does nature do these things <laughs> it's, it is pretty even though it's sad Thank you. It's yeah, it's it's it's one of those things and as a photographer, you're like there to capture it. And there is like there's beauty in all this. I mean, like you, you like you said, like there's the morels, there's like I mean, even when it's devastated, like there's a lot of greenery, lush undergrowth that kind of starts going. And like it is it, there's there's some cycle and some beauty in it. And I think that's kind of um, like our job as photographers and artists is to kind of like bring some context to everything and be like, OK, well, this is where we're at. But like there's there's some upsides and there's like there's there's there's beauty through it all um and appreciating that and and drawing attention to it is is i think an important role that we play yeah for sure the, the natural cycles um t you know are are uh, they all have little bits of them that are beautiful and also um they're so ephemeral too right they just they just uh one thing falls to the next um and uh yeah in a beautiful rhythm but um you've caught a really beautiful scene here i was curious about how your buddies felt about being dragged through all this um, the burned out uh lands and then coming to this oasis did, did they were they uh, pretty stoked about the trip or are they like we're not gonna hike with chat anymore <laughs> no no they they they love it the other thing is like they i don't know like i kind of so so one of my favorite things with photography like we talked about like with it being um like looking for bad photos of beautiful locations like part of that is that like the enthusiasm excitement that i get in going to those places is feeling like i'm a bit of an explorer and so like when you see a ton of pictures of a spot and like see something that's been shot a lot like 
you don't feel you don't have the feeling like you could be the first person finding this or who's and it's like it's not real like you're obviously not the first person we live in 2022 but it's still like a little bit of like a childish glee to it um and so a couple a couple of my friends like i know i know for sure they they're like if if i if chad finds a location and we'd go to it they i've I've built up a bit of confidence with them and i think this kind of reinforced it because it was again like nobody really in oasis like this with a mountain reflection in oregon you'd expect it to be fairly common at this point like a lot of there's a lot of photographers in the northwest and so like to have this and realize like there's not really a lot of people that have shot it and i actually really want to get back there um because we got there with such smoke like it would be it'd be fun to kind of check it out and see it in some other conditions. Um, but I mean, I guess the reason people don't get out there is because it's kind of a pain in the ass um, to, to reach it. But um, yeah, so I think, I think everybody was happy. We had, we had a good time. Uh, Backpacking is always fun, especially like if you get there, I mean, we had two nights out, so we pretty much got to spend the whole evening just kind of like listening to music and swimming in the lakes and just hanging out. That sounds awesome. Um, were there are there black bears in that area? Like, do you have to? Did you have to hang your food, or do you like, sort of like bear safe camping techniques while you're there? I think most of the most of the Oregon bears are like in northeastern Oregon and in um, like kind of the coastal mountain range. Um, I know there are some around, and I've I've definitely seen some in central Oregon, but they they generally keep to themselves. Um, I've I've always thought it's strange because it's like. It, it feels like, as far as numbers concerned, we should be a lot more bear cognizant in Oregon, but they don't seem to cause that many issues. And there's like no, you don't have to bear bin. Um, sometimes I'll put like, if, if it feels like a bear heavy area, if you see like tracks or something, I'll, I'll put the food up in a tree. But like, I don't think on this, on this occasion, we worried about it. Well, that's cool. That makes it even better. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Chad, for for sharing about your piece. Um, it's I love the story behind it, but I mean the the shot itself is just really stunning and uh, really unique with that pink glow at the top of the mountain. Um, did you, I, I'm not gonna. Um, I, kn- I know you mentioned where it was, so we don't have to like totally. Uh, emphasize the exact location of these things because um i think the specialness is that that you you work so hard to get to this spot so um it it's it looks like it paid off (laughs) you ended up with something really beautiful and a great story uh, and a great journey so thanks so much for sharing about that thank you appreciate you having me and and stoked to be part of this drop again like appreciate all you guys putting it together and stoked stoked to hear some other stories um as this space continues that sounds awesome. Um, so who else do we want to bring up to speak? It looks like we've got maybe a few others um, in the audience. I realize sometimes it, it's not possible to uh, to be able to come up to speak, but because um, we're always doing different things when we're listening to spaces. Um, we had Emery here a minute ago. I wondered if Emery wanted to come up and talk about his piece about the Patty Rice Fields. Um, I'm going to invite him to speak if he's able to come up. Um, I thought I hadn't lined up earlier. Uh, who else do we have here? Anyone? Jonathan, Sam, do you guys have any other folks? That, are you doing any back channel talking to get <laughs> to get some more folks up to, jo- to join us? Yeah, I think, I think we're trying. Um, Emre, maybe not so confident due to um, his Turkish language, but um, I just want to maybe say a few words about his piece, which I think you know we we all love um it's super unique um and you know what's what's really kind of key to this collection is trying to create a level of cohesiveness um when you're curating um 
and I think that you know in the open call, which is where this this one came through, um, yeah, we definitely had um, images that really stood out to us, and, and his was one of them. Um, I can see, I can just see Pelin coming up as speaker, who may be able to act as translator for us, and if that's the case, that would be very cool. So maybe if um, Pelin could come through, um, and if Emre, let me try and invite Emre up. Yeah, I've invited um, him to be a speaker as well. Hi, Palin. She's so Palin's so great. She's she often comes up to help uh, with translation for our Turkish speaking artist. Hi, Palin. Hi. <laughs> Good to uh, see you again. Hi. Uh, actually, Emre doesn't know, but I thought he might need uh, help, so I just uh, I was here already. I came up to the speakers, and I want to congratulate everyone in the collective. It's beautiful. I loved all the photos and listening to your stories, actually. So um, if Emre needs me to speak, I'm here. It looks like we've brought him up to be a speaker. Hi, Emre. It's great to have you here. We would love to hear about your work, and Palin will help with translation. Hi everyone, uh, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Pelin, for translating for me. Uh, şu an, uh, ee, sen de özetleyebilirsin. 15 yıldır e, fotoğraf çekiyorum. E, bu kolektife dahil olduğum için e, çok mutluyum. E, aylar öncesinde e, bir başvuruyla zaten anlatılmıştır muhtemelen. E, yeni katılanlar arasındayım. E, bunun için mutluyum. Bunu bir özetleyelim. Tamam. Um, I think most of you know Emre, but if you don't, um, he is, uh, he's been taking photographs for uh, 15 years and he says he's very happy to be part of this um, collective. He said he applied to the collective a couple of months ago and uh, he was so happy to be one of the new entrants. And um, so um, he, he says he likes to be a part of the collective. Thank you. <laughs> Röportajda da kısaca bahsettim, paylaşmıştık e, topluluk sayfasında. E, ben aslında arkadaşlar da genellikle biliyorlar. İnsan fotoğrafları çekmekle birlikte e, yeri geldiğinde e, manzara fotoğraflarını da çekiyorum. Ve burada da yine e, diğer ekolüm olan çizgileri, e, grafiği e, bulmaya çalışıyorum. Bu fotoğrafta olduğu gibi. Uh, Emre mostly takes um, uh, human figures in his photographs and he also likes to take um, uh, photographs in geometrical forms, shapes. He likes to use them in his photos. And um, from time to time, he also takes landscape photographs. So this one is uh, a blend of all, I guess. Um, has a human figure in it, has uh, lines in it, and it's a landscape photograph. Can you so um, and we have it pinned to the top. It's the one just before the um, the the image from Chad. Um, yeah, the one in the golden hour. Yes, yes. So where? Okay, was this an aerial photo or is this taken um, like with his feet on the ground? No. Emre, bu. Chad, you took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the drone. You took the
sesin geliyor. Drone Hı. fotosu mu yok, bu? Yok, DSLR ile çektim. Normal. Efendim? DSLR ile yani normal fotoğraf makinesiyle. Normal makineyle çektin. Evet. E, nerede çektin? Hangi Çeltik tarlası bu? E, bu e, Çorum'un Osmancık ilçesinde burada meşhur e, Osmancık'taki. Tamam Osmancık'taki. Tamam. Tamam. Okay. Um, uh, no, it is with uh, with a regular DSLR. It's um, one of the uh, pedofield areas. There are actually a few of them in Turkey. One, uh, this one is um, in Çorum, and he took it with his regular camera. So it's not with a drone. It's a really beautiful shot. I love the um, the image, the, the human figure in there who looks like he's working the fields. Um, is it? Are they growing rice here? Is this the kind of paddy field? That- Yeah, it's a rice field. Bu çeltik tarlaları farklı zamanlarda çok daha farklı, çok daha güzel görüntüler de sunabiliyor. Biz buraya bir fotoğraf gezisi düzenlemiştik. 8-10 kişilik yaklaşık. Burada gün batımında altın saati güzel bir şekilde değerlendirmeye çalıştık hep beraber. <gülüyor> yeah, the, the rice fields in Turkey, they have seasonality and um, you can only capture um, the, this kind of beautiful photographs in uh, May or in June. Uh, after the rains in spring because um, otherwise it's dry it happened to me once um, uh, I'm gonna tell it later anyway so this is a, a shot taken in a golden hour and um, you know uh, in I think uh, sometime around May or June um, Emre went there with a photo tour of um, eight to ten uh, photographers all together And um, so this is what they captured at golden hour. And uh, at different times of the day, uh, also you can come up with uh, different colors uh, uh, on the rice fields. Like if the sky, um, you know, in the middle of the day, it could be all blue because of the reflection from the sky and stuff like that. So it, it changes the color of the fields and uh, the way they look changes. Um, in every season and in every time of the day actually. Emre bana bir kere oldu şeyde ben Trakya'daki pirinç tarlalarına gidiyorum. Mayıs ayında çok güzel oluyor. Birkaç sene sonra bir kez daha gideyim dedim. Daha yağmurlar yağmamış kupkuruydu. <gülüyor> Onun için biliyorum eğer vaktinde gitmezsen çok kuru bir şeyle karşılaşabiliriz. Doğru kesinlikle. Burada da tabii il dışına gittiğimiz zaman hem güneşi yakalamak hem oradaki doğru Aha. tarımsal anı yakalamak gerçekten şans olabiliyor bazen. Yeah, yeah. He says because it's a it's a day day trip uh, to that place. It's really really important that they be there at the perfect time of the day. Um, you know, this one to be the golden hour, and that um, they also need to have the workers around there. So um, if they're not working, then the photograph is of course um, uh, would be very much different without that uh, worker in the field. Son olarak tabi burada. Ee, sınırsız çeşitli fotoğraf alternatifi olduğu için 
benim çektiğim fotoğraftan daha çok hala aklımda çekemediğim diğer alternatifler var. Umarım bir gün tekrar bu bölgeye gidip çok daha farklı fotoğraflar çekebilirim diye ümit ediyorum. And he says this rice fields, they they are full of opportunities for different kinds of photographs. Like when he went there, he just uh, figured that he could take this kind of a frame at this hour of the day and this one there, there, there. And he wants to go there once again uh, to capture all of them. Um, so this is um, this is one from his uh, trip. And it's a beautiful one, I think. And congratulations, Emre. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have a question, uh, I want to answer uh, it. Well, thank you so much for sharing about this piece. And thank you, Palin, for for translating and helping us understand. Um, I think it's a it's a it's really stunning. Um, and I can imagine how those the, the paddy fields would be different colors and different times of day. Um, but this one is just really stunning in this in the golden golden light um, with this worker. I don't know if he's is he up late or is he at the end of his day or at the beginning of his day? This should be, I think, in the afternoon. Emre bu gün batımı değil mi? Evet, gün batımı. Yes, it's before sunset. Burada tabii de bir şey var. Biz günübirlik gittiğimiz için tabii zaman da değerlendirmek için şey yapamadık. Yani orada yerel bir çiftçi bulamadık. Arkadaşlarımızdan sağ olsun bir tanesi bizim için orada bize modellik yaptı. Orada bir tane bulduğu araçla bize yardım etti. Bu da bu fotoğrafın bizim için bir şey oldu. Yani yoksa hiç çekemeyecektik. Okay, so they they um when they were there at that hour of the day he says um many workers um were not around so they found a model i think who who looked like a, a photographer for them and so they captured that photograph um <clears throat> that's pretty cool um I wanted to say, ask Emre. Um, he's one. Of, I think is he one of the new photographers for the collective? And how did he feel when he found out that he got added into the collective? Emre, e, sen e, bu kolektife yeni e, girenlerden bir tanesin diye biliyorum. Doğru mu? E, kabul edildiğini duyduğun zaman nasıl hissetmiştin? Pem onu soruyor. Sesim geliyor mu? Evet. Teknik bir sıkıntı oldu. Son kısmını duyamadım. Tekrar eder misin? Kolektife e, seçildiğinin haberini aldığın zaman nasıl hissetmiştin? Onu soruyor Pem. Okay. Ee, tabii e, ben fotoğrafçılık e, kariyerimde hep e, dernek ve topluluklarla birçok zaman e, etkileşimde bulunduğum için bu tarz topluluklara katılmak benim için her zaman bir e, güzel bir duygu oluşturuyor ve e, ilk şeyi ilk koleksiyonu gördüğümde e, bu topluluğun e, çok hoşuma gitmişti e, hiç aslında böyle bir şey tahmin etmiyordum tekrardan bir başvuru yapıp böyle bir fırsat olacağı bu fırsatı görünce e, arşivimden en iyi fotoğrafları seçmeye çalıştım ve tabi e, sonucunda Aha. da e, bunun baş yani fotoğraf güzel fotoğrafı verip Başarıyı elde etmenin büyük bir e, hazzı oldu bende. E, zaten hemen arkadaşlarıma Aha. teşekkür ettim beni kabul eden e, konuna ve e, topluluk 
hesabını <gülüyor> ve ilk fırsatta paylaştım yani gururla paylaştım çok hala gururluyum bu topluluğun bir parçası olmakta. Okay, um, Emre uh, has worked in collectives, uh, you know, participated in collectives a lot before NFTs in real life in photography. It's quite a common thing in Turkey actually, and uh, so he always loves to be part of collectives. You know, the the collective work in photography is something uh, you know, and he he he always wants to be a part of. That's why when he saw the Um, the announcement about the collective he just went through his archives and um, looked for his best photographs and submitted them he says and then um, he was so happy actually when he heard that he was going to be one of the uh, one of the artists in the collective and when he saw the other photographs he was also very pleased with such beautiful photographs in the collective and actually I think Jonathan um, he immediately uh, DM'd you or um, texted you I don't know just to say thank you and say how happy he is so um, he's very proud to be a part of this collective I think yeah um, just just going when, when we did the, the blind curation I, I remember quite vividly that this image really stood out to us um, when we were looking at all the submissions as being very um, well obviously fitting the theme very well but being quite different to what we were seeing from a lot of the other submissions so I think as well for that reason we were really drawn to this one like um, the fact that we have the human elements in there but also still um, it's also a reflection obviously um, and you know beautiful composition with the leading lines and the, and the light so I remember quite vividly that this one really uh, for sure jumped out to me and, and obviously was, was good enough to get enough votes from all of the other curators as well to make it make the cut so yeah really big big congrats and uh, we, we love the image and thank you for being part of the collective Yeah, I can totally understand how you felt. Uh, Emre, um, bunu gördükleri zaman bayılmışlar fotoğrafına çünkü hem uh, işte içinde insan faktörü olmasından dolayı hem çizgiler, uh, leading line'lar hem de aynı zamanda manzara fotoğrafı ve işte uh, altın saat, ters ışık vesaire hepsi birden çok güzel bir kompozisyon oluşturuyordu. Diğerlerinden de biraz daha farklı olduğu için mutlaka kolektifin parçası olması gerekir diye düşündük diyor. Uh, böyle güzel bir fotoğrafla kolektife katıldığın için de um, Sam sana teşekkür ediyor ayrıca. Böyle. Thank you so much, Sam. Yes, congratulations for being part of the, um, being part of the collective and for capturing such a beautiful image. It's very, it's it's a it's a real stunner. I love silhouettes myself. <laughs> I'm always trying to capture like the perfect silhouette. I think you've got a really good one here. You can see that the person's working with a tool, and um, it's a real you know you caught it just at the right perfect moment. Um, So, Palin, did you want to go ahead and share that with him? Sorry. Yeah, I just also wanted to uh, wanted to congratulate Emre personally for that photograph. I love those uh, photographs at Golden Hour on rice fields, and um, as he said, it's very important uh, when you go to the, you know, at the t- time of the year, which time of the year you go there, what time of the day you take the photograph. I go to another rice field to take photographs, so I know it quite well because um, um, it's it's in end of May or beginning of June I tend to go there and if you're a little bit late uh, the rice fields get dry and uh, once or if you go early they're again dry so you never get those reflections 
And um, the, I, I was very lucky in the first two years. And on the third year when I went there, it was all dry. So it was a total frustration going all that way and uh, coming up with dry rice fields. So I think um, it's very important to, uh, you know, to have the right time, to uh, have the right light. And, uh, you know, this one is a beautiful photograph. So congratulations. I already told this to him in Turkish in between our conversations. So I'm not going to translate it once again. Okay, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Palin, for helping us out. We always appreciate you having you You're here. <laughs> yes. Um, and I wanted to just put the word out to any of our other listeners. Um, uh, if there's any other Sloika photographers out there who would like to talk about their work, even if it's um, work that's that you've had up for a while um, or if it's work that's coming soon. Um, also, if you have questions for any of the speakers we've had so far, we'd love to hear from you. Um, go ahead, Jonathan. Thanks, Pam. Um, thanks, Pam, for translating. Um, I just wanted to speak a little bit about the curation process and how that worked because I feel that's kind of important. So I didn't get involved in the curation process other than to effectively be the admin for it. So I effectively um, took care of all the submissions and anonymized them. <clears throat> the curators, which were the three other members of the concurrence team, um, plus three of our uh, female members, because we thought that would be um, a really good way to balance the curation board. Um, so there were six curators in total. They all they saw was the images. They didn't have any information about who the images were from. Um, if it, one of the interesting things, and this is a good tip, if you are ever invited to do um, to submit for curation, quite a few images came through with watermarks on, and of course that is an identifier of who you are. So I had to go back to a, a few photographers and say, "Could you send me this this image without the watermark? Because it clearly says your name." Um, so the whole thing was blind and um, again it went into this kind of scoring system whereby um, effectively at the end of the process each image was kind of ranked by each curator um, on, a, on a score out of 10 so then like the maximum score you could get was 60 um, and then what we did was we looked at the available spots that we had in the collective and we picked the top scores for the amount of people amount of spots we had and that's kind of um, how that worked. But then as a secondary element of curation, where I, where I kind of did get involved, the existing members of the collective, so that, that first part of curation was all to do with um, the open call to the community. So we, we reached out to the community to say, we're going to do another collection. Would you like to be involved? Submit here. So that was like for new people. And then for existing people, we, want, we wanted to do... Um, a layer of curation so we could then have a cohesiveness to the collection. With um, Frozen Planet, which was the first collection we did, somehow fairly kind of magically, all the images came in without curation and they all kind of lined up and it was a beautiful collection as if by magic. Um, what we found early on with, with this one was that we needed to maybe <clears throat> firm up our curation to get the most kind of complete and, co and cohesive collection we could. So that's e effectively what we did. We reached out to the, the existing members and said, could you please submit three images? And what we'll do is select a kind of one that fits the whole collection um, and, and makes it cohesive, and B, 
um, you know, one that we, we, we just know is going to work well. And I just want to say like a huge thank you to all of our artists for doing that because they were so receptive to that and so humble and they understood the vision that they were all like very happy to do that. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it, it was, it was a really good process to be able to kind of work with the team on kind of um, chopping and choosing images that, that worked best. And Ricardo, who unfortunately is working and, and driving at the minute, he can't make it here, but he was, he does these like mosaics where he um, effectively puts grids of all the images together. And he had to like chop and change images out quite a lot um, to kind of like see what we were working with um, and, and put a lot of effort into that. So um, shout out to him as well. But that was kind of like the curation process. If, if anybody wants to, maybe jump up and, and ask me any questions about that. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to talk about it. Um, I guess the only other thing I want to talk about briefly while, while anybody comes up is kind of like, I don't know, like expectation versus reality when it comes to this, this collection. So with our first collection, um, remarkably, when we released it, it sold out pretty much on the first day. Um, and this collection is um, released in, a, in the middle of a bear market and um, there hasn't been any sales yet. So I think we maybe we need to kind of touch on that and, and how we maybe can maybe work together more to, to influence how that pans out. So from a, from a kind of like a marketing perspective, what's really, really important when you're in a collective is that everybody kind of has a, a voice that comes together as part of something bigger and works together to, to push the message out. Um, I just want to kind of, I want to see that continue so that we, so we do our best to try and get the, the message out about what we're, what we're bringing to the market here. Um, we are proud of this collection. It's an absolutely stunning um, series. Um, every single piece is, um, is great. Um, we've got possibly, I think maybe, you know, we can discuss the mechanics of what we can do because I think, uh, you know, if it comes to a point where we don't get any sales in like a couple of weeks, then we could start discussing, well, you know, what can we do? Could we do anything different? And I think that where we've positioned this is is kind of, is key to kind of keep the mechanics in place. So for example, we could remove Gacha, right? So we could say, well, let's let's not randomize them in. That's one option that we have available to us. But in my opinion, and I think we're kind of agreed, I don't think that's a very good idea because we've got artists that are super well-known mixed in with emerging artists. And if we removed the gacha and allowed people to just pick what they want, then who do you think is going to get picked first? So the, the whole point about um, the mechanic that we have here with gacha is that you, you don't know what you're going to get. But the fact that we put so much impetus and effort on curation we as a team feel that you're going to be happy with whatever you land um so i think we've got maybe 10 super rare artists or something in the collective um which is unique and i think the price point is effectively where we want it to be so another option we've got available to us is well you know we could lower the price it's a bear market there's a lot of kind of um lower price work out there there's a there's a huge trend that's kind of um you know there's open editions there's additions there's tears and a lot of this work that's coming out that's much lower price and maybe it's a bit of a shock to see a collection that comes out where it's like oh okay it's it's 0.3 per piece um haven't seen that for a while because a lot of the work that's come out has been lower price but again we we don't want to um, we don't want to do that either. We we feel that this price is is is is perfect for what you you can get because if you if you pull a piece that 
is by an artist that sells for on average two or three ETH, then you've effectively pulled a piece that that you're getting at one tenth of the price. If you pull a piece that you you you got from an artist that typically sells at point one point two, then you've paid a little bit over their market rate, but that that's good for them. So I think it's key to kind of um, understand what we can do with the mechanics um, and, and what we're not willing to do. So I think just to kind of set the, the tone of what we could do, we could remove gacha, we could lower the price, but we aren't going to do those things. We, we're, we're comfortable in the curation. Um, we're comfortable that if you, if you pull anything from this collection, you're going to be satisfied with it. Um, and we think it's the right price point. So again, if, if anybody has any questions about how we came to those conclusions or um, any other suggestions for other things we can do or how a wider community of us could maybe work together outside of the collective, then more than happy to talk about those things as well. Well, thank you so much for bringing um, bringing those points to to the conversation. Um, it is it is interesting to hear how the curation was done, and I think it, um, you know, the um, the idea that when you look at this whole collection together, um, it does hang together so tightly, and all the pieces, you know, there's no weak links anywhere throughout this. Uh, all the works are are really stunning, um, and it's it's very cool to hear um you know just for anyone else who's thinking along the lines of maybe doing a collective or um you know doing any sort of curation like this where it's an open call to the public you know having the having the work um be sort of blind curated um i think is a is a is a really strong uh, strong step and so um, I think that that was a really good thing for you guys to do. Um, so then the work just stands on its own, and that's um, that's a really a really cool way to involve even more members of the community. Um, and yeah, you know, like we are we are seeing sales come in every day, whether it's one of one work or additions. Um, so I think you know there's a um, I, I think it's. I think this is, you know, just an interesting time <laughs> out there in the market. So um, uh, you've you've presented some absolutely amazing work that's uh, that's there for collectors to to collect, and that's what we love seeing. So um, whether these mechanics are something that you put into place later, um, you know, that's always a decision decision that you can make. But there's there's really no no. Uh, rush on anything um you know timing is everything and um i think you're you're you're making all the right choices right now so um i i really think it's a strong collection and um that we're going to start seeing it move that's that's just the way i feel about it <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and you know at the end of the day we see within within our market we see one of ones that are sold for 10 ETH plus um, for one piece, right? So you could get this entire collection of 30 pieces for nine ETH. So as I was saying to the guys, it's not completely inconceivable that somebody could rock up and just be like, wow, I want the, I want the whole thing and just collect the whole thing. Um, and then at least Gacha would fall out of the process because that collector would just get everything. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, that would be really exciting. Well, I hope that there's a collector out there. Um, maybe they're not listening right now, but maybe they'll listen to the podcast <laughs> and check it out. That would be really awesome. Um, well, one more call for anyone who wants to come up and speak. And if if not, I was just going to, um, we don't see any hands raised or anything. I was going to give you sort of a sneak preview of what's 
coming um, for this like a dark room in the future. Um, we've we've kind of changed things up a little bit, and we're um, we're inviting special guests to each one of our Soika Darkroom um, Twitter spaces, and then we turn those into podcasts. Um, and since we started doing that, I think we're up to our like 36 episodes of, of our um, Darkroom. Um, but just even in the um, in the month of October, let me just give you a, re- a pr- review of who you might hear if you go to um, to listen to the Sloika Darkroom podcast. Um, we started off in October talking with Leslie Spurlock. Um, we talked with Armand and Nick, Ar- Armand Salange. I can't do your last name, Armand. Armand Salange and Mickey Falzoni um, about their um, their awards uh, that they picked up at the Siena, uh, Siena Awards this year. Um, and we talked with Mike Schmidt about his series Lost in Transit, um, Pascal was here talking about his um, his collecting that he does and also the photography that he does. Um, he sold out his edition um, that night um, that he has on, uh, on Soika and hopefully we'll be seeing some more work from Pascal. Um, then we spoke with Alpha Trilogy about his uh, style of collecting, his history of collecting. We learned that um, even as far back as when he very first started collecting, he was always collecting art. And um, we, we heard a story about how he bought out an entire warehouse of Danish oil paintings and imported those to the States to, uh, to sell that art. Um, and then we talked with Paulius Uza, who is, of course, the founder of Foreverland, and um, talked about some exciting things that he's doing both with Foreverland and with Artifact. Um, just on Monday, we spoke with Nick Kalyani, Tech Bubble, who is the founder of Nifty Dream Style, um, and learned a lot about all the good that, uh, that that project is doing in the world. That brings us to today. Um, next Monday, we're going to be talking with Emma, who's the number one community builder over there at, uh, at Meta Jungle. Um, so we'll be speaking with her on Halloween on our Monday space. Um, and then next Wednesday, we have um, coming to visit us uh, Tim Selikoff, who's the author and editor of Photography on Blockchain, which is an awesome uh, Substack newsletter that uh, really covers like the, the updates of what's going on in the whole photography NFT space. Um, so I highly recommend checking out, um, checking out his newsletter, Photography on Blockchain, um, as well as joining us next Wednesday for a conversation with him. Um, and then the following Monday, we're going to bring Chip in here as our uh, special featured guest. Um, he's a major collector. He loves music. You guys have probably all experienced Chip in the spaces, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with him. Um, that's just, just a little bit of a preview of what we've got coming down the pike. Um, and we are also going to be doing something a little bit different with our drop parties. Um, we've been having, uh, for the last few months, we've been um, having these Wednesday drop parties where um, any Slika photographer can come up and share their work. Um, but we wanted to uh, open it up a little bit more and do something that um, a little bit different. So um, anyone who is out there that hasn't minted with us already, once you do mint and list your work with Slika, you get um, this cool little email from me that says, here's how to promote your Slika work. Uh, so we're going to be changing that up a little bit. Um, and we're going to offer the opportunity for you to hold your own drop party on the Sloika Twitter account. So how does that work? Um, 
This is also an exciting thing for um, people who, um, if English isn't their first language, and if this time zone thing isn't really the best for you, um, you'll be able to um, hold your own drop party on the Soika account um, any Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday during, uh, kind of during some hours that are workable for me so I can uh, set up the space and uh, put you out there as as your own co-host. Um, so you can invite your own friends to the party. You can um, invite your collectors. You can have a little bit more freedom to do these drop parties um, anytime that works for you. Um, so benefits to that is that the Soika account, of course, has over 17,000 followers. So um, we're hoping that, um, that that gives you a really cool platform to hold your drop parties. Um, and you'll kind of be able to do the party any way that you'd like to. So, um, you know, you can invite your own co-hosts, um, invite your own speakers or collectors and all that sort of thing. So um, just a little preview for what's coming. Um, so it's not always just going to be um, these Wednesday, this particular Wednesday time slot. Um, so we're just opening up a little bit more. Of course, we always welcome you to come and talk with us here about your work. Um, but we wanted to just give a little bit more opportunity um, and sort of share the reach that we've built up uh, with the Sloika account. So if you'd like to have a party at our house, come on over. <laughs> and I'll provide the information about that um, in that email that comes uh, when you list and mint your work. So um, that was a lot of stuff <laughs> that I was just throwing out there. But just want to give you an idea what's coming. Um, don't miss out on those podcast episodes. There was some really great information shared. Um, everyone has been so generous to, uh, to talk about how um, artists can um, you know, reach out to these collectors or different opportunities to get their work out there. So um, we're all about that. We really uh, want to see photographers succeed in the space, uh, which is why we're here. Um, and with that being said, um, Sam and Jonathan, um, do you guys have anything else that you'd like to share um, before we wrap up? Sure, yeah. Um, well, from my perspective, it's just um, a huge um, round of thank yous. Um, I mean, this is we're here to celebrate what is um, a phenomenal um, body of work. Uh, and it's, there's been a lot of kind of effort um, to, to get it here. Um, so I'm just very appreciative of, of the work um, by everybody, really, um, by the team, by the artists. Um, thank you to you guys at Sloika. You guys do an amazing job just taking care of artists, and we really appreciate you. Thank you to all of our Frozen Planet holders. Thank you in advance to our Reflections holders when they arrive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just we're very appreciative um, and, and we just want to let you know that um, we love you guys. Well, that's awesome. We love you back. <laughs> Pretty hard to follow um, what Jonathan said, to be honest. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, with those words. And it's exactly the same sentiment from, from my side, to be honest. Um, yeah, as, as Jonathan, Jonathan said, we put a lot of time into the curation process um, thinking about when to launch, you know, it's a, obviously a really tough market at the moment, and we've we pushed it back many, many times. Thinking, okay, it doesn't seem like the right time now. Let's let's wait a little longer, and eventually, you know, it, it becomes so so long that that we want to just we want to roll with it. We're, we're so proud of this work. We don't we didn't want to hold it back any longer. Um, so I think that's where we're at. And as as Jonathan said, we're super thankful for for everyone that's contributed, and and as well to you, Pam, and, and the Sloika team for being so supportive and you know it was it's always so seamless to mint on sloika i must say like I, i'm the one that that has the concurrence 
account and I had to mint the collection and it's literally like two clicks and the whole 30 pieces are up with one gas transaction. So it's, I, I, there's really nothing to complain about on that side. And uh, yeah, I'm confident that the, the sales will come eventually. Um, the work speaks for itself. So yeah, again, very thankful to everyone. And uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. Well, we wish you all the luck and all the success and we'll do anything we can to uh, be here to help support. And um, I want to say thank you to both of you guys uh, for putting your faith in Sloika as well. And uh, we're really happy to to host collectives. Um, we're, we're really, really so excited about the quality of the work um, that you've curated and that you've brought to the platform. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that it's going to uh, to, to get noticed. Um, and, it, you know, all of the all of the good things will come. I'm sure. Um, I also want to say thanks to Yuri and also to Naz for sh t sharing with us about um, their work that's that's uh, coming up on Sloika. It's great to to have a chance to meet you guys. I know I've been I, I've known Yuri for a while, uh, just in other just different chat rooms and stuff. But it's really great to have a chance to talk with you and great to meet you, Naz. Welcome to the family. Um, and with that, um, I wanted to say don't miss us next Monday. Um, you'll be in the Meta Jungle space all Monday morning anyway. So then after that space is over, pop over and uh, check in with us here at Sloika. And we'll be talking with Emma, who is Nifty Meta Girl, of course, um, and having a cool chat with her um, and highlight what she does for the space. Um, we're really happy that everyone could come and join us today. And uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and close the space and uh, wish everyone a happy Wednesday, happy uh, rest of your week. Um, if you have some Halloween candy around, uh, just, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> I know, I know I don't have any because I don't want to have it around. I'll just eat it all. But anyway, hope you get the good stuff. Talk to you guys later. Love y'all. Bye for now. <laughs>